And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, we broadcast live each and every weeknight, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the place, this is the place to be. Global Star Radio Network is our flagship network. We're very proud to be a part of that, uh, fantastic lineup. That's Global Star Radio Network. Folks, go to hagmanandhagman.com. There you can, uh, well, you can see all of our broadcasting venues, whether it's Global Star Radio Network, the fine folks there, uh, BTR, YouTube Live, which you may be watching us right now, where you can watch and also have the added benefit of uh, images. And, of course, all of those are available via archive as well. And as I mentioned, HagmanandHagman.com, that's our show website. Folks, we've got two different websites. HagmanandHagman.com is for all things show-related, for news, analysis, information, for show prep. HagmanReport.com. Visit, bookmark both and of course, I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with home investigator researcher and my son Joe Hagman. Together, I like this something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Um, I want to thank uh, thank Steve Quayle, Tim Alberino. The show, the recent show on uh, the um, the findings, the arc, the artifacts, true legends, the unholy sea. That DVD, that video, and the other video that's coming that's in progress in the works these are huge undertakings that involve travel into the into south america and other places outside of the united states and i'm going to tell you the the work that's gone into all of this uh and again uh steve quayle and tim alberino if you didn't catch the first hour and the second hour uh You've got to go back and listen to those shows. Watch the shows because there's some images there as well. And, um, uh, it's, you know, it's amazing how the dots are being connected, folks, today. The dots are being connected. And, and the dots from Genesis 6 authenticating the Bible, the historical account within the Bible, explaining the the, the the giants, the the little creatures, what was then and what will be coming soon. That's really what this is all about to prepare us. Now, during this broadcast, we've got kind of a, a bookend to that because how are we going to fight on that level? How must we fight, or should we fight on that level? We certainly can be formidable opponents to the evil that will befall us, that will be thrust upon us. I, I, I can see that. But we have to, as Russ Dizdar often tells me, we need to get prayed up before we enter into battle. Now, how do we do that? Well, there are prayers that work. And tonight, during this broadcast, the first the first uh, two hours, we've got two great individuals who are going to be talking about specific prayer power prayers the power of prayer 
prayers that empower you. One of the questions I had, despite my Catholic upbringing as a child into adolescence and into young adulthood, and even adulthood, I suppose, as a Catholic, did not prepare me for what I'm seeing now. And after shedding the the bondage, and, and I and with all due respect to the, to Catholics, I'm not I'm not saying anything about Catholicism, but to really get to the root, to the meat, to the to the epic core, the epicenter of the battle, you need to to focus on what is biblical, because without that, we cannot even begin to believe we are going to win. So that's why tonight is is especially important with our good friends uh, coming on, uh, Sheila Zelensky from the Weekend Vigilante and Carla um, Buta. I can't wait for that. Now, before we get to them, I just want to mention proudly that portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by Minuteman Rocket Stove. That's MinutemanStove.com. Folks, if you're, if you are in a prepper mindset, as we all should be, round out your preps with this particular cooking device. It is fantastic. If I can use it, now you know, you know me, I like to keep on pavement, now with the exception of just a walk in the park perhaps with my dog. But you know, you know, I'm not very good in the wilderness, alright? So having said all of that, uh, yeah, so the Miniman rocket stove is a requirement here, and it's tested by us. It's, in fact, we even put it, well, I even put it on top of my vehicle, drove off with it unwittingly, unknowingly, on the top of my vehicle, and it survived the, uh, the din and the, the, the clamor. The car wasn't too good after that, but, uh, Folks, MinutemanStove.com. Proud to have them as a sponsor. And speaking of sponsorships, speaking of, of, of your business, perhaps, perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to, to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks and Pro Flowers and, and Casper Mattress and some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Just very simply go to hagmanandhagman.com or send an email to opportunities at hagmanandhagman.com. If you go to hagmanreport.com and hagmanandhagman.com, there's a link where you can, you can, you can, it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link and go ahead and read the benefits that we have created for you. I think it's, I think it's a fabulous opportunity. Now, with respect to the news, really quickly, there's just so much news going on. It's just incredible out there. It seems as if things are taking place at a breakneck speed. Um, we've got news, so much news from a, yeah. uh, I, I mean, folks, you know, the, right now, the election hack threat is t- uh, termed as serious by the FBI, the head of the FBI. This is a threat that the uh, president or renegade-in-chief not too long ago dismissed as 
uh, erroneous right, in, in right. Uh, my own words. Not his. But remember earlier this year, we were talking about this, and throughout this election cycle, it seems like it's forever. I know, I understand your frustration, but when we look at this, we we see the the potential for all of us, for Americans, being gamed into believing, and not that the threat is not real, but wouldn't this be just the method to impact our elections, to make the elections suspect, and and provide a reason, perhaps to to delay, to, or to, to somehow mess with the elections, because our reliance on the electronic voting which is nothing more than black box voting. And there was a series about black box voting done very well, in fact, before it's time, um, to show you our vulnerabilities and how easy this can happen. But we are being set up, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know where, and I, I don't think anyone out there can can accurately uh, or profess to know what the end result is going to be. But, folks... This election cycle is in the crosshairs of the globalists. This election, in particular, is in the crosshairs of the globalists, which makes me believe, regardless of your position on either candidate, regardless of your position and feelings on Donald Trump, uh, it, it certainly says to me that the globalists have some moves to make before the election, and we're going to be paying very close attention to that. And the other, of course, the other news we will get into at some other point. But, but folks, please understand that, that this is, uh, this is critical in terms of the threat that we face in a number of ways. Uh, schedule change for tomorrow. We're going to have a very special guest tomorrow. More on that later. Uh, as opposed to Dick Morris, who is going to be on the following week, I believe. We yeah, have to check on that. Time. All right. And then on That's Friday. Scheduled. Okay. Friday, we're going to have an in-studio guest. It's going to be Jack Cashel with new information about TWA 800 and the relevance to the uh, criminal Clinton cabal. If you heard him in studio last episode, last show, well, you're going to want to tune into this show. It's going to be an entirely different uh, show as well. I mean, he's been so gracious to take out his take his time to come into the studio and to give you information additional information and an update because subsequent to our program he has heard from not just members of of the uh, audience but also critical members of the law enforcement community of the aviation community of the uh, of academia from academia it's incredible so we need to keep the pressure on and we need to keep the pressure on the NTSB as well because the man who was replaced by Jim Hall Christopher Hart is back, of course, in the NTSB, and that man really has the ability, the opportunity, perhaps, to make a difference, to exercise his conscience and integrity and character, to show it or to reveal it. We need to keep the pressure on, because the once we, once we tug the uh, strings, the little threads of 800, of that incident that happened back in 1996, 20 years ago, uh, last month. Once we start <clears throat> tugging those chains, t- tugging those uh, those threads, 
a lot of other things Clinton cabal related will unravel with that. And again, I just want to thank each and every one of you for joining us tonight, each and every one of you for tuning in and for your support and your prayers, because one last thing before we get into the, the program tonight. You know, Alex Jones did a, um, a video here today, and it's posted, it's linked off of Drudge, actually. Um, I'm not sure if the title is accurately, or if it's really all that appropriate. It's done to grab the <clears throat> attention of people who wouldn't normally watch right. an expose, a short expose on the criminal activity right. of Hillary Clinton. It's 17 minutes long, but he's <clears throat> not wrong. He's absolutely right in everything that he has, he has supplied. I just want to give, uh, because of my communications, and I'm not going to get into it because I, I, I just don't want to. I can't. I don't have the permission, but because of my communications elsewhere, the, uh, outside of the, the public venue, the, the threat right now to those people who are putting pressure on the, the, the criminal cabal that is the Clinton crumbling dynasty. The demonic, the witch, Hillary Diane Rodham, the witch, the yak, Clinton, of course, is not to be underestimated. The reach, the, uh, the infiltration. Think back to the 1950s when McCarthy talked about the communist infiltration in the various aspects of the government. Well, she's had essentially two decades to refine that infiltration with both communists and Islamists. And that's what's happening. And those people are lawless, and those people are dangerous. Don't underestimate the danger that uh, that that is out there. And she is she uh, top on the list are Alex Jones and his info wars, and us in a different genre coming at this from a Christian angle, evangelical Christians, Christian-based news programming. Whether it be Rick Wiles, us, Steve Quayle, folks, and Hawk, if you know Hawk, his, his, uh, programming. Trust me when I tell you that we are in the crosshairs and there is blowback. There, there is blowback from this that, that is, you just keep everyone, just get, in the words of Russ Dizdar, get prayed up. All right, I'm going to turn it over to well, Joey. We've got two special people tonight. Uh, the first couple of segments here, first couple of hours. Uh, Sheila Zelinsky from theweekendvigilante.com. She's got a radio show, and also Carla Bruta, the co-author of the new book that we're going to be talking about. But we're going to be talking specifically about how it applies to today's events and things happening today and such. So it's going to be an all-around good show. <clears throat> and then, we of course, both. the third hour is Stan Dale. Yeah, Stan will be with us in hour number three. We have both Sheila and Carla on with us now. Their latest book, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works. I'm going to bring Sheila on, let her introduce Carla, and then introduce the book. Sheila, it's great to have you back on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hi, Doug and Joe. It's great to be back on with you. It's so exciting to uh, finally be here again. And, of course, your listeners, I appreciate everyone tuning in tonight to this program. Oh, it's it's great to have you, Sheila. And, of course, Sheila, uh, if you're watching via YouTube, you can see the picture of uh, Steve Quayle, Pastor Langford, Sheila, myself. Um, I, I don't want to leave anyone out. But, anyway, uh, in... Uh, uh, that was what two years ago or a year and a half ago in uh, Utah or Utah, Utah. in uh, 
Montana. Bozeman, Montana yeah, in 2014. Yeah. yeah, 2014 already. My goodness, I mean 2014. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it, so I'm going to turn it over to you, Sheila. I mean, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's rock. How's that? Well, you know, you, as I was talking to you, you know, you use this term, and I always say this term, Caligula level craziness, or as our good friend Steve Quayle says, it's circus ridiculous. So we've got these cast of characters, like you mentioned her, Mao Zedong in a skirt with all her trail of dead bodies, saying that, hey, she's going to go after these alternative media people, especially Christian-based shows, these conservative Christian tinfoil hat kooks like Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, Sheila Zelensky. You mentioned Drudge. Hillary has vowed to shut down our websites. She is vowing to go after us. So, you know, and oddly, it turns out a lot of these guys that we thought were kind of these mavericks in the media, the Mark Levines, the, you know, Ben Shapiro's, the Glenn Becks. I mean, we are just coming out all, uh, these shills are in the media. So, but here's the deal. We are in this all-out war, Doug. And, you know, there's never been a time in history when warfare prayer was so urgently needed. And as the end of days fast approach, I mean, look around people. Never before have we witnessed, really, I don't think, a callous disregard for God in prayer. And so Carla Butot and I, she's a powerful deliverance minister from Texas. I've had her on my show for a few years. And I'll tell you what, this woman... She is a tough little cookie from the Lone Star State. And I'll tell you, when I started listening to some of her shows a few years back, I actually got deliverance from her show, and she's been such a mentor to me. And so Carla and I, as we were having shows, it became very apparent we were getting inundated, and I mean inundated with prayer requests, and it became evident that people need examples of how to pray. Powerful prayers, Doug and Joe, you know, they are so effective because what does the scripture say? The, you know, effectual prayers of a fervent man is availeth much. So we have superior weaponry, equipment, and power, but sadly, most believers, they're woefully ignorant and they're living far beneath their birthright, their inheritance. And as we're crashing headlong into the beginnings of what I think is terrible tides of wickedness sweeping this world, these little religious cliches and formulas, they're not going to work when it comes to our enemy. So, you know, because we know we're not fighting flesh and blood. So, you know, I'd really like to, I, I'm very excited about this book, Power Prayers, subtitled Warfare That Works. This is a compendium. It's like, to me, I call it the ICBM to the kingdom of darkness because it shows people how to bind the strongman. There is strongmen operating over America, the George Soros of the world. So we give people very practical examples on how to do battle and really make a difference. And I'm just so excited because not only do we have superior weaponry, but guess what? These little, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I hope it's God's will that I'll be healed. And I get very, my blood boils when I hear that because, you know, what what the enemy has done is he's twisted everything God, all God's principles, all the things that God has made. And it really bothers me. So I said to Carly, you know what? Last year when we were in Texas, I said, we have to give people examples because I'm getting, I don't, I don't have time to respond to hundreds and hundreds of emails on how to do this. And I don't have the time to be praying with every single person, although everybody's, you know, experiencing this, this nightmare. The devil is mopping the floor with people. And I was breaking my heart because it's heartbreaking that we're living beneath what Jesus died to give us, Doug and Joe. And I would really like to welcome Carla Butad on the program with me tonight, the co-author of this incredible book that just was released this week. 
Well, thank you, Sheila and Doug and Joe. Thank you for having us on. It's good to be with all of you, and I am as excited as well. Well, Carla, it's great to have you on. It's uh, nice to meet you, and can't wait to to read this book that you and Sheila both wrote, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works. Sheila, I'm going to turn it over to you. Where do you want to start? And I know we talked before the show today, and in the description, folks, you can read it there, but there's a a very... um, a uh, great couple of sentences uh, written up on the back of the book. You want to start there, Sheila? Um, if you have that book handy, Doug, I'd love to be free to read it because one of the things I really want to emphasize for people, uh, I can't get into my email just so you know. I've been having a lot of technical problems, so <laughs> I can uh, send emails, but I can't get, I can't retrieve them. So uh, Carla's computer last week was shut down. It crashed. It was hooped. I guess that's a technical term. I've had 10 days of... Uh, all out insanity in my technical equipment so that's a whole show in itself but it's vital for us to learn to exercise authority while praying you know it's important to note that prayer is when you're addressing God and spiritual warfare is when you're addressing the enemy and that's where people are leaving out the part where you're addressing the enemy so we kind of take the two and combine them into really the, again this companion where you know because the rod of authority that's something that God said to Moses in Exodus fourteen fifteen. why are you crying out to me basically he gave Moses the rod of authority and God is the same yesterday today and forever he hasn't changed so it's time we started acting like the soldiers of Jesus Christ that we are instead of these weak and anemic Christians you know I know a lot of people that listen to your show you know they're going through a lot of stuff here I'm we're getting the emails on the darkness that is just it's inundating people and you know they're they're losing hope they're getting depressed they know the system's rigged so we really feel like hey it is time that we stepped into that power and authority because we have dominion over over all the earth now that sounds funny to people but you know that we're going to talk about some of these prayers in this book that can really tackle this and and joe if you would read the back because that that really does say it all doesn't it yeah, um, and folks, this is what the back of the Sheila and Carla's latest book, Power Prayers, says. It says, are you desiring a more powerful and successful prayer life? Would you like to see more results? God intended you to have victory, so why do your prayers seem to go unanswered? Could it be that a key element of praying powerfully is being left out altogether? Discover the astonishing truth the enemy does not want you to know that can make all of the difference. And Amen. I bet, and, and I know that uh, many Christians wonder why their prayer life isn't as powerful, um, especially you know newer Christians and people who are you know going through uh, tough times in their life. Uh, you know they pray for something, whether it's health or or financial relief, and it doesn't seem to come right away, and and that leads people to question their faith in, in many aspects. Sheila, what advice would you... Well, before you answer that, Sheila, I mean, this you, you're offering this as a blueprint, and people need to understand that, uh, a prayer blueprint, because a lot of people, look, don't underestimate the fact, ladies and gentlemen, that a lot of people are asking, well, how do I pray? And I've asked myself that same question. How do I, to Steve Quayle, how do I pray, Steve? I mean, you pray. I mean, how do I pray? Whether it be if you want to pray for the nation, you want to pray for, uh, you want to pray against the evil in this country. So this is, I guess I said all that to say this, this is a blueprint 
for prayer. And, and for those of you saying, well, I already know. I don't need a book to tell me how to pray. Well, you know, it, it gives you very specific, well, it's like a playbook for you to use against the adversary. So go ahead, Sheila. Didn't mean to interrupt there, but go ahead. No, that's I, I'd like to jump in, Sheila, if you don't mind. I, I have a thought. I have a thought when he was saying that. What, what God showed me after being a Christian for 20 years, and I knew how to pray, had a very strong and effective prayer life. But the day Satan showed up at my house and hell entered our house, I found out very quickly that I did not know how to fight the enemy when he showed up. Prayer is very different than warfare. That's really the point of this book. Um, God has said to me that he wants us to move from the place of asking over to the place where victory is. He wants us to go from asking for healing over to the place where healing is. It's a done deal, actually. He shed every drop of his blood that we can walk in the victory, that we can walk in health, that we can walk in peace, joy, all the things that he died for us, and yet many of us, and I was one of those those years ago, that fell short when it came to knowing how to fight the enemy. And that is really an area that is almost totally neglected in the church. I don't care what church it is. It's totally neglected to talk about the enemy. You know, they say, well, if you talk about Satan, you're, you're glorifying him. Well, he loves that. Because really, we should be teaching people his tactics, the ways he works, how to recognize whether it's him or God. Because, let's face it, if you don't factor in the enemy, then everything is God. And that is almost blasphemous to me, you know, to uh, put the responsibility of something tragic. I'll just give you an example. My mother plays the devil's advocate for me a lot. And she she asked me one day, well, don't you believe that God is in control of everything? And I said, Mom, do you believe that God was in control of those planes flying into the Twin Towers? Mm. I mean, really, we've got to stop and and really give credit our, our responsibility where responsibility is due. That's right, Carla. Hold that thought. We're coming up against the break. When we come back, we're going to pick up right where we left off about who's in control and why. We're talking with Sheila Zelensky and, and Carla, their new book, Power Prayers, Where For Their Works. We'll be right back. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, this episode, this broadcast, brought to you by Minuteman Rocket Stove, MinutemanStove.com. Visit the site. Guests tonight, uh, guests for the next two hours, uh, or in the, until the top of the, uh, the second hour here, Sheila Zelinsky and Carla Buta, co-authors of Power Prayers, folks. It's a great book, and... Uh, Carla was talking right before the break, and this is kind of a pet peeve of mine as well. 
as a Christian, as a as a man who likes to accept or, or willingly accepts responsibility for my own actions, is ascribing to God what Satan is doing, and uh, really, that to me is a fallacious argument. Um, it, it's it's filled with fallacy, and I find it very interesting that it's often used as the basis for or by non-believers, by so-called atheists who say, well, if, if, you know, it, this would, God, I mean, if there was a God, he wouldn't, he wouldn't allow this to happen, this, whatever, you know, fill in the blanks. And, right. you know, Carla, I mean, to me, when I hear people talking about, uh, about that, and, and also the other side of that, refusing, to place the blame square in the foot of evil, or even refusing to recognize evil as an agenda of a, a satanic agenda, is is not only intellectually dishonest. It's spiritually. It shows. It reeks to me of spiritual bankruptcy, or or a very misguided way of of handling um, and talking about the events. So go go ahead, Carla, and of course of course this is Carla Butop, co-author of power prayers go ahead carla pick up where you left off well when it hit me like i said when hell came to my house and i realized i did not know how to fight i was of course in a panic crying out to god how is this happening you know i'm i'm obedient i'm devoted um uh, and god had also begun to call me to teach and that's whenever i really started understanding because God had to tell me what was going on but I was crying out to him why is this happening how is this happening I was just like in a state of shock it's like Satan walked in my house and gave me a sucker punch to the gut and I was just laying there gasping for breath and so um, I had I was familiar with the story of Moses with his back to the Red Sea and of course he's freaking out because the people want to kill him because they've he has delivered them out of slavery now to be killed and and taken back by Pharaoh. So he is standing I can just see him standing up on this rock trying to calm the people down and he's saying fear not fear not today you will see the hand of God and he will this and he will that and God interrupted him and said why are you crying out to me but raise up thy rod that spoke to me because what god said to me when i was crying out basically the same thing in different words he said why are you coming to me with this and i was floored and who else is there and he said did i say to you that if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed that you would ask me to move your mountain well, I had to think about the scripture. No, it says, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and it shall be done. So I had to start learning how to fight the enemy. And it was a process. It didn't happen all at once. But I tell you what, I'm a fast learner. I don't like to fight, but if I'm going to fight, I want to win. And Jesus has already gotten the victory. And so it also says, uh, I started seeing other scriptures that came in agreement with that, like Ephesians 3.20, unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But nobody ever says the rest of that. It's according to the power that worketh within you 
It says in Luke ten nineteen, Jesus Christ said, I have given you power over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. So why are we not using it? In Genesis one twenty six, he says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, um, and let us give them dominion over the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, over the cattle, over every creeping thing, and over all the earth. Now, when I, I'm, I'm pretty, um, my husband calls me gullible. But if you tell me something, I believe it. So when I read the Word of God, it's not hard for me to believe what it says and then do it. Because in James, it says that if you be a hearer and not a doer, you deceive your own selves. And I don't want to be deceived. That is one of my healthy fears is deception. And so I... I made a, a a promise to God years ago that if I saw it in the Word, I wasn't only going to read it and hear it, I was going to do it. And when I started doing that, I started experiencing miracles. And so I am a firm believer that if God's Word says it, He says we have dominion. But you know what? That's why He had to... Um, mess up the languages of the people that were building that tower of Babel or Babel, whatever it is, because God knew that if they put their mind to it, they could do it. Well, you know, we fuss about all this weather, weather control and CERN and all these things, but do you see that the unregenerate man is taking dominion? They take dominion. They have a thought and they do it. So why are we as Christians not combating these things with the power that God has given us instead of fearing it or whatever? And earlier you said, how are we going to combat these things? Well, God has given us tools. Um, He's given us angels. He's given us binding and loosing. He's given us dominion. He's given us the name of Jesus. He's given us discerning of spirits and words of knowledge. Those are the those are the ways we are going to stay a step ahead of the enemy. I used to live my life on the defense. When Satan would come, I would start crying out to God, and he would always deliver me out of whatever trouble I was in. But I would rather be on the offense where I am going to his camp first thing in the morning and putting him as I put it, like tying a bad dog in the neighborhood to a tree so that he can't be messing with my business because he's messed with my business for far too long. Well, and Carla, if someone tried to recruit you into a witch coven, they'd be teaching you your powers all day long. But why have we not taught that in the church? And that's the part about exercising dominion. And like Carla said, we're not going to rock God's world He says exceedingly abundantly all more than you think. So we're not going to rock God's world if we pray something that is, you know, maybe we don't know how to pray exactly, but it's praying from your heart. And I mean, all these guys in Texas, you know, we've got constitutional states where guys go, hey, you just come, well, you'd know this, Carla living in the Lone Star State. These guys say, well, you just come and try and take our guns, you know, come and get them. Why don't we apply that, Doug and Joe, that same attitude because we have more spiritual weapons. Why don't we say to the devil, you just come and try it, devil. You just come and try and see what happens. The devil is mopping the floor up with people, and that is not the way we were, we're supposed to be living. The world's in a mess. 
people's lives are crumbling. They're unemployed. I mean, look at America, the unemployment statistics. Look at this welfare state. So there is a fix because guess what? We're not in this kingdom. There's principles that we live by, kingdom principles, Doug and Joe. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, you know, in I used to worry in my early Christian days about, am I praying right? Is this wrong for me to pray? Until God made it perfectly clear to me. I, I live my life by three sets of scriptures, basically. If these are the only scriptures I ever knew, I'd be doing good. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, not just when you're in trouble, not just when you have a need, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. The next set is Matthew six twenty five through 33. It's too long for me to read, but basically it's talking about, um, you'll remember it. It says, be anxious for nothing. Look at the, the flowers of the field. They don't, the birds, they don't toil. They don't uh, work, and yet God takes care of them. He clothes the fields, which is greater than even Solomon was clothed. So why do you worry? Don't worry about what you're going to put on your back, what you're going to eat, where you're going to lay your head. For God knows that you have need of all these things. And then it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, what we do, we worry about all these things. And I taught my son that, that really Matthew six thirty three is the hub of the wheel of life. If you um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then that woman you're looking for, God will add her to you. That house that you're worrying about paying for, it will be added to you. All of these things in life that we worry about and work so hard toward would be added to us if we would just seek the most important thing. And then the other is uh, Philippians. Well, back to my son. I told him, I said, you know what, Wade? When you worry... You are trespassing on God's property because the future belongs to Him. All we have is today. That's it. You take care of today, and tomorrow it'll be today. So you've got to stop trespassing on God's property. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is the third set of scriptures. And it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So so we are not to be anxious, but to make our requests known to God. So if we can make our requests known, how can you pray in error? And James says, if you ask and you don't get it, it's because you've prayed amiss. Well, big deal. But people are afraid to pray, and they're afraid to make their requests known. And I'm going to tell you why. So many scriptures in the Word of God have been misused by charlatans that it makes true Christians afraid to use those scriptures the way God intended for us to use them because they're afraid they're going to be labeled like one of those other people. Here is an example calling those things that are not as though they were. 
That is in Romans chapter 4, and he's talking to Abraham. When he changed his name to Abraham, Abraham had to start uh, calling himself a father of many nations when he didn't even have a son. Now, that sounded ridiculous to people, I'm sure. But he was calling that he made Abraham call those things that were not as though they were. That was God's idea, not some big evangelist. No, that was God's word, his idea. And Satan has caused us to be afraid to even use the principles that he has given us to be successful because it's been misused. Very interesting. Very well said. It's um, And folks, our guest tonight, Sheila Zielinski, Weekend Vigilante. Folks, visit her website. It's linked off of Hagman and Hagman. And, of course, her co-author, Carla Buta. Their book, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works. And, I, you know, in going through this book, uh, you've got numerous prayers for a specific purpose. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it, 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 when I first saw this, I thought, wait a minute, why, you know, why would I need something like this? I've got the Bible. You know, if, if I want to pray, I've got the Bible. But then I realized, and again, like I said before, you know, praying with, with specificity and focus, I think is, is what a lot of people miss. And then you had mentioned something else, Carla, uh, kind of going in different directions here as well. You had mentioned something else where, there are charlatans out there who will use and misuse, perhaps more appropriately, the scripture and, and, and impose that misuse onto others, other Christians, even in a public setting, in a public venue. And I'm seeing this happen more and more. And I'm, and I'm seeing this, this warfare break out within the Christian community, within with Christianity in general, and it's very disconcerting. But I, I don't want to go off on that rabbit trail necessarily. But, but uh, so I mean, just the simple things, too, folks. Just the simple things. And Steve mentioned this last night. I think he did. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he did. Um, praying over meals. Didn't Steve mention that last night? Praying over meals, or maybe it was last week. Uh, one of the guests last week. It's a simple thing like that. Uh, so the food nourishes your body, folks. I mean, think about this. And when's the last time? Let's be honest with one another, folks. You and you and I. It's just you not talking here. When's the last time that uh, you actually in a restaurant actually verbally prayed over your food? I mean, seriously. Well, and Doug, if I can just put this in it, that's sure. we actually have a a prayer over our meals. And here's the thing: we ought to be neutralizing also things in our food. Look at the GMO nightmare that's coming against us. Look at all the chemtrails. I mean, people phone me all the time, Sheila, the chemtrails, have you gone after the government? Yeah, I've been doing that for seven years, but here's the deal. We can actually speak neutralization to those aluminum, barium, I mean, God knows what's in them, but all this stuff, I mean, whether it's harp or geoengineering, chemtrails, we're getting bathed in a toxic soup of all this smart grid, so why are we not coming against this. We have the power and authority that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and we're living woefully below our inheritance. If someone told you tomorrow, Doug, you got an inheritance, you'd be at that lawyer's office in a heartbeat and so would everyone. So why are we living below our privilege? Why are we living below our inheritance? Jesus, as Carla said, he shed every drop of his blood 
So we didn't have to be, you know, I mean, there's so many people out there. Sheila, I've got diabetes. I've got all these, this litany of health issues. We've got a healing prayer that's powerful. We're teaching people how to exercise their authority the proper way. And it's just samples so that we get that we're not covering. We have 40 prayers in this book, but we get that we're not covering every single prayer for every single thing. But it gives people the confidence and the kind of an idea, a sample in practical terms, how to say, okay, you know what, I get this, I get this, and then they get confidence because here's the deal, Doug and Joe, Christians haven't been taught this. That's what's a problem to me, and I'm excited about what God's going to do with this book, the testimonies. Carla, share with uh, Doug and Joe in the audience the powerful testimony just of one guy listened to a show we just were talking about, for example, this thing, the well, speaking of unscrupulous charlatans, Howdy duties in Houston and all these guys out there that turn God into, as Pastor Langford said, God is not your bellhop. He's not a skybound, wish-granting genie bestowing cash and cars on his followers. Does he want you to be blessed? Yes, he does. But, you know, this is the thing. People are so busy listening to all these telepickpocketists and these unscrupulous charlatans that they never really kind of, they just, they just get turned off. I don't want to talk about money. Don't want to talk about prosperity. And Christians, Trust me, I get the emails. Oh, I'd love to sew into your ministry, Sheila, but I'm broke. Well, that's a theme of the century. So here's the deal. Why are we living beneath what Jesus died to give us? Carla, talk about that testimony. That's powerful. Okay. There was, um, at one time, my husband and I were so financially devastated. I mean, the devil was threatening us to lose everything that we had. And and it it could, could have happened had I not learned how to fight. But... Um, I was crying out to God, of course, because we were tithers, and the Word says in uh, Malachi chapter 3 that when you tithe, um, the devourer is rebuked for your sake. And then it says all the things that will be good for you. Okay, well, nothing was going good for us. So I am asking God about this scripture. Now, we are tithers, and you say the devourer will be rebuked, but I feel like we are being eaten alive here, you know. And then I was at this camp, and we're singing this song, and it's called, I went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. Are you familiar with that song? No. Okay, well, I'm not a singer, but I'm going to sing a little bit of it so you'll know what I'm talking about. It goes like this. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Now, okay, Christians love singing this song. But I stopped right in the middle of that song, and I said to God, Lord, who do I know that has actually gone to the enemy's camp and took back what the devil stole from them? I don't know one soul that's ever gotten back what the devil stole from them. Is there really an enemy's camp? And if there is, how do we get there, and how do we get our stuff back? Because my husband and I had been sorely stolen from. Okay, so one day, I'm walking around my house praying, and I had an open vision. There were these big windows across, I mean, a vision is not limited to your house. So there were these huge windows and um, shutters, but they were wide open. And blessings were being poured out from heaven upon God's people. But Satan had appointed these big demons to be right under the windows. 
and they were funneling all of the blessings that belonged to God's people over just below and to the left of these windows of blessings. And it was all in this big fenced-in area like you see these wrecked car junkyards. It was like that, but it was blessings, not garbage. And Satan was leaning against the gate with a toothpick, picking his teeth and laughing us to scorn because we don't know what to do about it. Well, when I saw that, I got mad. <laughs> and I just pointed to that camp, and I bound, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I command you right now to loose everything that you have stolen from us. And I send out the harvesting angels to get it and to bring it in to the household of Butad. Well, I'm going to tell you the most amazing things begin to happen. And I commanded those angels to move out of the way so that all of God's people could receive the blessings that belong to them. But see, and, and also based on the scripture, James 5, 4. James chapter 5, verse 4 says, For the, uh, for the wages of the hire which were kept back by you, uh, kept back, by you, by fraud, are crying out. And the cries of the people have entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. So what we have to do, those things that belong to us are crying. They have a voice. You know, um, Cain killed Abel. Abel's blood had a voice, did it not? It was crying out to God from the ground. It says that if we don't worship God, the rocks will worship him. The, ha- the trees have hands that clap, but it has a voice. These things that belong to us are crying out our names. And when I heard that, I saw like me getting separated from my child in a department store. And the child is crying, Mommy, Mommy. And Mommy's crying out the name of the child. And those cries bring those two together. So when you start crying out for the things that Satan has stolen from you, and you bind him, and the word says when the thief is discovered, he must repay double. Remember, Job was restored double. So I I added that. And Satan, you're the thief. You've been discovered. Now I'm calling in the double of everything that you've stolen from us. And it was just amazing. Okay, so I, I gave this testimony on Sheila's show. And a a man from um, Sacramento, California, wrote me and sent me a $100 check and said that that had changed his financial uh, world. It had transformed his finances when he started doing that principle. And he sends me $100 a month just because of that. And it has power. And you know what? If we don't start addressing the enemy, and see, this book is called Power Prayers, but and they are prayers, but they are um, declarations against and taking authority toward the devil and speaking to him. I bind you in the name of Jesus. You know, a sickness, if, if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty in the Scripture, Many times before Jesus healed people, he would um, cast a demon out of a person, and then they would get healed. 
and but nobody wants to talk about demons. Therefore, you know, we we pray for them to get well instead of finding the spirit of infirmity like he did in the woman that couldn't stand up. It said she had a spirit of infirmity. He said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. He got rid of the spirit first. Then he laid hands on her and she was made straight. The deaf and dumb boy, you foul deaf and dumb spirit. Jesus cast it out of him and then he could hear and speak. But the church does not want to talk about demons. It's a dirty business, I guess. I don't know why. But listen... About five years ago, the Lord told me that the uh, warfare between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light is intensifying, and we're going to be seeing things we've never seen before, and we're going to start hearing about things we've never heard about before. And here we are walking the earth. We are vessels of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet we do not use the power I mean, he came here and demonstrated the kingdom of God to the disciples. And they got some of it, but they didn't get all of it. And it's the same today. We have a measure of understanding, but we don't have the fullness. When the Israelite, when the Hebrews came out of Egypt, they went right up to the promised land, but they didn't enter in. They didn't get to enjoy the fullness of the promised land because, first of all, it says they did not. It was unbelief. Now... In the New Testament day, Jesus Christ was sent to bring us out of the kingdom of darkness. And we've, we've come out of the kingdom of darkness up to the cross of Calvary. And we've pitched our tents and started having church. And we're no different than the Hebrews. We have not entered into the fullness of the kingdom of God right here, right Amen, now. Amen, Carla. Carla, we are up against a hard break. Stay right there where you're at. Words of wisdom. Folks, pay attention because this is really important stuff. Folks, we're right back. Stay right where you're at. That works. Written by Sheila Zelinsky and Carla Butad. They are our guests tonight, and they will be with us for the rest of this hour as we are talking about their new book. Again, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works. Sheila, I'm going to turn it over to you real quick. I want you to let people know exactly where to go to get the book. And, uh, folks, the links to both Sheila's website as well as Carla's website are in the show description, whether you're on Blog Talk Radio or on YouTube. Right underneath there are the links. Uh, go ahead, Sheila. Yeah, so they can actually pick up a copy. And, again, it's populated to Amazon, so they can go look that up on Amazon. Or they can just go to weekendvigilante.com, click on the menu where it says Books, and voila, it'll take them to direct orders there and I really believe that God is doing something here because I mean again I can't stress the darkness that's unfolded around us and everyday people talking about you know beheadings and ISIS and a lot of people are living in fear and it grieves my heart Doug and Joe that you know people are they're so almost desperate for the Holy Spirit that they'll allow every spirit to come in and you know I always say to people listen we have dominion and I didn't get the memo 
where that changed. God is again the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, you know, God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of sound mind. So, Carla, I mean, we were talking the other day, and I'd like Carla to tell this story, but when you were, she was invited recently to Beverly Hills to speak, and I thought, you know, here she is, she goes for lunch, she's sitting in a mall, you know, at any moment, these kooks can come in and, what, bomb a building or whatever else, and it's really important, uh, we were actually talking about some of the, the bombings and some of the attacks on the schools, some of them being false flags, of course, but... I really believe that prayer can cover our children, can cover our lives. You know, we're covering ourselves with the blood of Jesus Christ. So we're really showing people how to take scriptures. This is scripture-based prayer that shows people. And another thing we deal with is generational curses that no churches are talking about. We come in with a boatload of curses. How do I know that? Well, go to the doctor and he'll say, hmm, what's in your family line? Do you have diabetes? Do you have, they'll start checking off the list. This stuff is generationally inherited. So Carl, if you will, just talk a little bit about that. Well, when I learned to take dominion, that was a big a big change in my life because um, <clears throat> my mother-in-law is really afraid of weather. I don't like bad weather either, but, um, you know, what can you do about it but run for the closet or get in your cellar or whatever? But, see, that's one of the principles, a kingdom principle that Jesus demonstrated to the disciples when they were in the boat, and they were fixing to sink, and Jesus was back there asleep, and he stood up and he spoke to the wind and the waves and everything and said, peace be still to the storm, and everything shut down. And the disciples were like, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waves? But, see, God has given that to us, but we failed to use it. So... When I first understood this, um, bad weather was approaching, and I live in a, a place in Texas where tornadoes are all the time, tornadoes, high winds, um, hail, all kinds of things. And so I went out on the porch, and I turned to the direction that the storm was coming, and I said, uh, Father, I thank you that you have given me dominion. And I'm going to use it right now. And I speak to that weather system that is approaching our house. And I bind strong damaging winds, damaging lightning, hail, tornadoes, and flooding. In the name of Jesus, I speak to the violence in that storm. I say, peace be still. We will receive the nourishing rain, but no violence in Jesus' name. Well, you know, the first time I did that, I didn't feel very powerful. In fact, I felt absolutely stupid because I'm sure Satan is standing right there saying, you are an idiot. You think you can do that? Well, my dog even ran up on the porch and sat down and looked at me like, who is she talking to? But guess what? The storm came. We had rain, but no damaging winds. And I have been doing this. In fact, you know how many little... uh, now the uh, weather people get so excited during hurricane season. Um, I don't know where y'all are located, but I'm on the Gulf Coast. I'm only about 100 miles from the coast. And when those hurricanes hit, it is bad. So I started asking God about the hurricanes. Lord, t- talk to me about these hurricanes. What in the world would make a thunderstorm take on such a life of its own that we give it a name and could it be 
witchcraft curses that are being placed on the water from Africa because every one of these come right off the coast of Africa. So they have one eye, which is indicative of witchcraft. And what is its purpose? Death and destruction. That's its purpose of a hurricane. So if Jesus is going to speak to the storm, you know, people say, well, God is using that. He's doing judgment against them. Hey, if I'm praying wrong, then it won't work and no big deal. But I'm going to do what I can to keep those destructive things from coming and, and tearing up our land. And you know what? That brings me to a scripture in Romans. It says that even the the creature, all of creation groaneth, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. Creation. Creation was never meant to be ravaged. Animals were never meant to eat each other and kill each other. No, we it was supposed to be a peaceful environment. And so... Even creation is waiting for us, who are sons of God, sons and daughters of God, to realize we're sons and daughters of God and start acting like sons and daughters of God and put a stop to all this destructive weather patterns. You know, people say that it's this group of people, the evil, I don't know who they are, but they are controlling the weather. Well, if we have power over all the power of the enemy, let's use it. So we can use dominion. We can bind and loose. If I saw somebody that was coming up to harm me, and I've taught my granddaughter this, even since she was about five years old, you point at that person and you say, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I have heard testimonies of people that have done that, and it's like they run into a plexiglass wall, they fall on the floor and can't get up. Now that's powerful. I told my husband, he wants me to carry a gun. I said, honey, I don't need a gun. I've got the finger of God. The finger of God. That is powerful. Well, it's just like these ISIS groups. They ought to be scared of us, Carla. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I was getting on a plane one time in this... um, the Lord uh, unctioned me to look up. Well, there was a woman in a black dress, and she had on this heavy gold chain, and it was um, a circle with a star in it. It was, it was a, clearly a witchcraft symbol that she wore proudly, and she's prancing around the airport, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I hope she's not getting on my plane. And then it hit me. I thought, what am I saying? She ought to be scared of me. Yeah, and but, so but I let me look. I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. During, I, I thought you were uh, wrapping oh, no, that okay. thought up. Um, my question to you, though, see, what I, what I don't want to see happen, and this is just me, my view, we are, um, when you said, well, you know, I don't need a gun, I and, and I understand that mentality. I look at it this way. You know, if I'm armed, I have a gun. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've got prayer, but I've got the practical Two, the practical mm-hmm. being in a gun. Now, Carla, you're not telling me, or are you telling me, that that makes that that my faith then is is is, and I'm playing no. devil's advocate here. Okay, no. I'm, I'm faithless. Or without no, that. I'm not saying that at all. Okay. I mean, okay. my husband has guns, and 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 you know, that's okay with me. Okay. That is, but but we've been see. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now. In war, you know, in war, they teach you how to use a gun. They send you out, and you better use your gun. Yeah. I understand that. 
But I'm talking about in this spiritual warfare that we are in, a gun is going to do you no good. We're talking about two different right, things. Right, right, right. You can and, have and a gun to protect yeah. yourself. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed the distinction. Point out the distinction because without without fail, somebody's going to say, "Well, see, see, uh, you know, you don't you don't need uh, terrestrial or earthly weapons." Well, well, wait a minute. We are uh, we are living on Earth here, but we That's have right. the power. We have the power of prayer. It's mm-hmm. not a replacement for one's one doesn't replace the other. They coexist and work in uh, synchronicity. I believe you've got I to agree. have that faith, though. I, I, with all drones and MRAPs and the complete, absolute nightmarish draconian police state we're up against. I mean, you know, we have a 50 cal, well, we have an ICBM in the spiritual. So I think, I mean, hey, I have no problem with somebody exercising their ability to protect their family, to protect their homes. We have that right to do that. But here's right. the deal. We need a lot more than just packing heat. We need to be packing, as she said, we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting principalities and kingdom demonic systems. So this is really important for people to separate these two things. We are not saying, I'm a huge constitutionalist. I'm a gun person. You know, I grew up with guns. I hunted. I, I And hey, you know, we didn't get the constitution so we could come in case the deer came against us. Let's face it. Oh. You know, we wouldn't, but we wouldn't put up in the physical, Doug, with some of the stuff we're doing. We wouldn't let some guy kick our door down, beat us up, mop us up. You know, it's like I go back to the Texas boys, these boys in the South States. Hey, you just come and try it. Why are we putting up with this in the spirituals? What I'm saying, why are we allowing Satan to, you know, rob us of our kids being saved, rob us of our employment, rob us of our finances? This is the kind of thing we're talking about. You know, these back to the weather that Carla was talking about. We have the ability to take dominion over all the earth. So when God says that, I'm literal. I mean, I'm going to take dominion over all the earth, whether that's binding these fronts or look at the look at these floods going on. I mean, it's a nature hike through the book of Revelations, floods, famines, fires, winds. We ought to be exercising our authority and coming against these systems, these weather systems. Look at the look at the the nefarious devils at the helm. We ought to be binding the strong man over America, binding these George Soros, the Hillarys, the um, you know these hucksters. I mean, Doug, we have the ability to do that, and that is you know people say I'm still waiting on God, and I say God's waiting on you, people. That's true. I'll I'll give you an example. You you know, everything that I do, I mean, I'm not fighting on a world, um, uh, a world position. I'm I'm concerned mostly with the world that I live in that that involves my what God has put me over with my family, with the ministry that God has entrusted to me. Those are my areas of concern. Now. Like, my brother, his truck got broken into a couple of years ago, and they were on their way to a trip, and the luggage was stolen. And I said, I want to know what was your first thought when you realized that y'all had been burglarized. And he put his hands up, and he said, Lord, I'm your son. Why weren't you watching over my stuff? And I said, I knew you were going to say that. I said, now let me ask you a question. 
how long would it have taken you when you were driving up in that parking lot to say, Father, I call angels to stand around my car shoulder to shoulder that no evil penetrate, and then go in and eat. It wouldn't have taken a minute. And yet, and those angels would have been there. They they are waiting on us to assign them. Hebrews one fourteen says the angels were given to those that would receive salvation. That's us. And the word minister, it is to minister for, not minister to. Now, many translations have changed it. But in the King James, it says that those that they are given to minister for those who shall inherit salvation. So the word minister means servant. So they are waiting for us to give them something to do. You know, that school, that school shooting, I don't remember where it was, but this guy walked in and shot all these little children. And he passed up the first, the first classroom. He passed it up and went to the second classroom. And nobody mentioned that, but I told my husband, I said, right there, I know that one of those mothers knew how to pray that that man did not even try to enter into that classroom. See, we can we can put the angels all, send the angels with our children to school, put the angels all around the school that no violence come in. How long does that take? We're just not using those weapons of warfare that we've been given. And our angels are unemployed. <laughs> Many are, and if I have a big deal uh, going on, I call on those that are not working for anybody else. I just call them to help me. So it, it really is, this book, what we hope to do is just to open the understanding of people's minds about how to go about praying, well, doing warfare, it's not not even really a prayer because we're not talking to God in this prayer. We are addressing the enemy. Satan, I bind you from my day to day. I bind, if I have a meeting going on, I bind every spirit that will want to come and block and hinder the work of God. I bind the Antichrist spirit. So you do warfare in the heavens where the warfare is going on. It, everything happens in the spirit before it happens in the physical and just think, if you were a soldier going to war, you don't just throw in a uniform and, hey, that's you're good to go. You have to pick up your weapon. And, again, we're not fighting flesh and blood, and that's what's missing. And, you know, we thank God in the prayer. Like, for example, Father, I thank you for giving me power and authority over all the power of the enemy and blah, blah, blah. In other mm-hmm. words, you know, then we get into the... Uh, because, again, you know, warfare is when you're addressing the enemy, and prayer is when you're addressing God. A lot of people phone me and say, Sheila, you know, I have a friend in the hospital, they have cancer, you know, or somebody will come to me and say, I have cancer, and, you know, maybe God's trying to teach me something. I'm like, no, that is not... That is absolute wrong teaching. God wants us to be healed. He doesn't want us sick and afflicted. And that's the thing. The enemy has people so confused. And, yeah. and the other thing, of course, the enemy has never had a original thought in his life. So he will take everything, the principles of God, and twist them. And pretty soon, you know, we see the kundalini spirit coming into the church. I saw a big sign on a church last week where they're doing yoga in churches or opening chakras and, you know, the, the pineal gland. I'm thinking, my goodness, 
What is wrong with, and I, like I said, I saw those Christians going in and buying a Harry Potter bird. What's the book called? The Cursed Child? I thought, yeah, you're right. You get a little something special when you buy that book for your kids, folks. You get a curse. And that's a fact. And, and we're not really, it's like appropriating what Jesus did because people say, well, there's no, no, it's all under the blood, Carla. It's all under the blood. <laughs> well, you know, I, I tell people that theoretically, that is true. It says in the Word that Jesus Christ shed His blood for the salvation and the forgiveness of sins of the whole world. Does that mean the whole world is going to be saved? No. You have to appropriate what Jesus Christ did. You have to receive it for yourself. You have to appropriate His sacrifice to your life. And then you can enter into the family of God. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't matter what religion you're in. They all lead to the same God. Well, you clearly don't know the Word of God because it says that the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And so that that really is the thing lacking, too, is people do not get in the Word for themselves. They sit and they listen to somebody else. And I see them as a little nest of hungry people. They really are hungry to know God and to know the truth, that they sit and eat everything regurgitated to them instead of looking at it for themselves. And God taught me early on, he said, you go look that up. I would hear something go, wow. He said, go look that up. And I did. You know, and, and, and he wants us to know the truth. People come and say, would you pray for me to have more discernment? I said, get in the Word of God. It says in Hebrew 4.12 that the Word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of, of man's heart and mind. So, you know, the Word is, is where it's all at. You have to be in the Word. You have to know the Word. You know, what I'm, what I'm looking at here is we're, what we have here and what you've presented is is one tool in the toolbox mm-hmm. uh, for Christians. And we're looking for this ultimate cocktail mm-hmm. um, or mixture or blend of the right preparations as we enter into this time of uh, trouble, strife, uncertainty. So you've, what you've developed is is a, a, a special tool, a very specialized tool, I believe, for Christians to use as we prepare to engage the enemy or the enemy engages us. Is that an accurate summation or summary of, of you know what you've what you've? I uh, think so. Here? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, be, because. Let me just yeah, throw this ahead. in. A lot of people, because, you know, Carla and I would get all this prayer requests and people would say, that is so awesome. Do you have that written down? And Carla would say, mm-hmm. no, I was just praying from my heart. And that's what I'd say. And finally, it just became so apparent. You know, and some ladies said, well, do we have to do this daily? L- listen, I don't get out of bed. My feet don't even hit the floor before I do my warfare prayer. And lots of times when I don't, you know, it's ironic. Last week, my I just had all this technical issues. I had Augusto Prez on. He was announcing an event that he's having in October. And it's funny because everything got taken down. My computer crashed. My broadcasting mixer that had no problems ever. And I actually learned, well, I was told there's actually technical demons. that You know, and, and let's go back to this. You can keep your doctor, says Obama, and you can keep your internet. Yeah, right. So we need to be daily praying because we don't, Doug, you and I don't know how long we have on air. 
we don't know when they'll flip this kill switch. So it's just really important, I believe, that people start understanding we have a daily walk. Jesus said, you know, it's like the prayer, give us our daily bread. So we're going to be doing this daily. And I just think we've given powerful, I mean, I wish I had had this book 30 years ago. Everything we've put in this book, I mean, if it, if we were charging what I think it's worth, I mean, no one could afford it because this is stuff, this isn't Sheila and Carla's prayers, Doug and Joe. This is what God, the Holy Ghost has given us to help equip the saints and there is no other time in history. I mean, look around the abortion numbers, the bloodshed, the butchering, the beheadings. We should be prayed up and a lot of time people use prayer. It's like, well, I guess I can pray about it. It's like it's a last resort. It ought to be a first resort, Doug. Yeah, a first resort along with action and and yeah, I I, I think if I, I can what you said Sheila earlier when it comes to war people don't just put on a uniform and pick up a gun, you know, you go through basic training, you learn how to to use the weapons you have and the the supplies that you carry with you, you learn the tactics of battles and mm-hmm. uh, all these different, you know, aspects of of battles, war and fighting. And the same thing applies to the spiritual aspects. Not only do we need um, you know the the spiritual warfare tools we need to be in the scriptures we need the personal relationship with Jesus and we need to pray and you know we talk about here on this show a lot of uh the success of the show is just us showing up and i wonder for how many christians you know just you know opening and reading uh of the bible once a day and saying one prayer a day to start out with how much that would benefit the body of christ because how much is that lacking in the body of Christ today? And it seems that it's apparent that it is lacking. Um, some because of ignorance, some out of, you know, un- uncertainty, and some out of, you know, just uh, apathy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's true. You, you know, Sheila, let me ask you this, because what we're seeing here, and, and I'm seeing this a lot more, and, and folks, um, you, you've got to believe it. Y- you've there are people out there, Charles Manson, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, and, and folks, you've got no idea the what law enforcement did in terms of covering up the Dahmer crimes, the, the, the connection to Satanism. We're seeing an explosion of, of paganist, paganistic uh, uh, ceremonial events taking place. We're seeing... We're, we're seeing um, at ground level, at ground zero here, not the New York ground zero, but at, at the earthly level here, uh, an explosion of, of satanic crimes, whether you, people want to believe that or not. Uh, black masses, the embracing of the Aleister Crowley kind of uh, uh, twisted uh, the worship of Satan. And, and this is growing more and more. Um, and of course, this is all protected under the First Amendment. Don't forget. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. which I, I, and I understand that. But but the we are we. I look at this, and I was just reading an article from uh, uh, the book uh, The Satan Hunter. The reason I bring this up is because this is real. I mean, these people are tapping into the power of Satan, and obviously, we need to tap into the power of God. And, and so go ahead. I mean, it, it address that, uh, if you will. I believed. Well, sorry, go ahead, Carla. Go ahead, Sheila. Well, it's like this. Just, co- 
it's like this coexistic I saw earlier today. I mean, you know, it's like Oprah says, well, there's many ways to God. No, I say there's two things. There's proper Christianity, proper discipleship of Christ, or and there's paganism. That's it. We're under an all-out demonic invasion, Doug. That's what's going on. The veil's getting thinner, I think, between the spirit realm. We're seeing with CERN, you know, this Gothart tunnel deal, all this, you know, sick, disgusting, debaucherous ceremonies. Look at the Rio, the Olympics. I mean, that's disgusting pantheistic pagan ceremony they had these guys are opening you know portals gates veils whatever you want to call it there is a demonic evasion the guardians talking about it mainstream headlines a woman was recently reporting she was raped by a pokemon i did a show on pokemon yeah. you pokemon know and this go monster uh in russia she said that mm-hmm. she was raped by an actual um i don't know what you would call it an avatar a cartoon uh mm-hmm. image on the from the Pokemon Go game and uh, uh, Carla and Chilo we're coming up against the break right now but on the other side of this break in the final segment that you guys are with us I would like to get into some of these um, what you're talking about from the you know face eating zombie like uh, reactions people have to these synthetic drugs to um, you know the other side of this the spiritual aspects of, of these virtual reality and um, this other evil that seems to be coming right out of the pit of hell and intensifying, as you guys stated at the beginning of the program. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are talking uh, with Sheila Zelinsky and Carla Bitad, their book, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works, you can find on Amazon. Again, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works. We'll be right back. Carla Bitad are with us talking about their book, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works, talking a lot about why prayers go unanswered, why Christians are not seeing results from their spiritual life, whether it's prayer or spiritual warfare. And in this last segment, we're going to talk about some current events that have been happening and the rise of demonic activity here on the earth and how to combat and how to face and combat this evil that is intensifying as it does uh, continue to increase we see that many people uh, get timid and decide they don't want to be part of this battle or think that they can remain on the uh, sidelines of a spiritual warfare battle even though they do believe in Jesus and are, are Christian and we know that you either have to be fully engaged uh, on one side or the other uh, as it says in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, you know, I'd rather you be hot or cold, uh, but because you're indifferent, I will spew you out of my mouth. And Christians need to understand that what is coming on the earth is hell. It is coming from, you know, the abyss. And Sheila and Carla, what are some things uh, Christians can do to prepare their minds and their spirits, um, you know, beyond what we talked about with reading the Bible and uh, getting in the the uh, mindset and the habit of praying and and doing so with authority. 
they can get this book. That's number one. <laughs> and I mean, I, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say that. I'm genuinely telling people I believe the testimony is going to be powerful because it's just such a time of, I look at the subtrope of the end times that's nearing us, these legion of hell invading our world. I mean, again, mainstream headlines talking about demons, our world as the maybe sands in the hourglass slip away. There is an annexation, an invasion of demons, and they're getting more brazen, more bold, more ballsy. We have an unprecedented demonic outpouring here. And, you know, you said wicked ways earlier, Joe. I mean, I see Christians giving Satan legal authority, legal right. You know, look at, again, back to this Harry Potter and the cursed child. You know, these Potterheads running around, you know, reading this book, teaching children, young people, incantations, divisions, you know, sorcery, witchcraft. Divination is a serious thing to God. So, you know, this this Harry Potter book is a top-selling book straight out of the pit of hell. And by the way, paints, again, you know, when you're buying that, you're you're getting a curse. So I guess when you see all these, like, you see the so-called fake human sacrifice film that CERN, you know, oh, it's just pranking scientists. Yeah, well, I did a whole show on that. The Guardian reported it. It's mainstream. We've got satanic rituals going on all over the place after school. Satan Club has come to elementary schools. I've done shows on ancient demonic deities. This plague of demons, we see this Illuminati card, you know, this, it's, they're saying, oh, is a plague of demons being unleashed upon America? We have an outright nationwide inundation of demonic possession. So I think the bottom line is Americans are ignoring the reality of spiritual warfare and the presence of the demonic because they're not talking about it in the mainstream church. And honestly, to our peril. That's right. To our peril. To our peril. And the floodgates of hell are now open, as Steve Quayle says, the gates of hell are opening. You know, and when that woman was raped by that Pokemon, you know, we talk about incubus and succubus spirits. I'm getting the emails, Doug and Joe, people are getting manhandled. These are very professional people. These are not your, you know, nut jobs that fell off a turnip truck. These are really seriously, I mean, a dentist in Colorado phoned me and said, I'm getting, something's on my chest at night. So we deal with so many things. And again, I just cannot tell you the fact that the church is not talking about this. And we are talking about it. So, and I think why I'm talking about this so much is because no one else is really, you know, a handful, Russ Dizdar, as you mentioned, very few, John Kyle, very few are really doing this. Carla Butod is one of the most powerful deliverance ministers I know. She deals with this stuff on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, even that guy, that naked male assailant there in Florida, you know, that guy had superhuman strength, Joe and Doug. And so that was a absolute gruesome situation. We're seeing gruesome unfold like we've never before. So what do I say to people? You know, get in the word. Fasting and prayer is huge when they're done together. I always, I mean, fasting is a dying thing. But I always say, people fast. It is so powerful. You know, you really decrease that natural man. And and I just can't stress fasting and using this template to to do your own prayers after this. But these prayers work. Let me tell you. Well, and another thing that we can't forget is that all of these things are signs of the times. I mean, it is written that evil men will wax more and more, that the kingdom of darkness will, you know, start rising up. These are things that are written in the Word, and and are we going to stop them? No, but we can... Um, 
we can put a dent in the kingdom. The problem is, is that Hollywood, movies, television shows, Walt Disney, they have done a very good job of desensitizing people to um, the evils. You know, it's it's a form of entertainment to go and watch someone with a chainsaw cut people up, and and it's a it, and all of these shows like um, the paranormal and everything is just. Um, um, getting people ready to see these things, and then um, you know, oh, I saw that in a movie. You know, it's it's not it's not real. And I believe that why so much, so many people are turning to these demonic forces and everything is because Christians have become bored. They're not seeing the power of God. So when these demonic things come into the church and the devil shows his power, oh, they're all over it. I mean, this is great. It draws big crowds and everything. But we've, we've got to understand our part in this as a, as a son and a daughter of God and what Jesus Christ has empowered us he has equipped us. I mean, I heard of a case where a man jumped up in a church, stripped off all of his clothes, which is a demon. That's the same thing that the guy with Legion did. They couldn't keep clothes on him. And and, and they called the police. I mean, here's a demon showing himself in the middle of a church service, but nobody knows what to do with the demon. And, you, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because... It, and folks, if you're listening to this, and, and you're if you're a Christian, and, and you're wondering, well, how you know, the, be, there's so much being ascribed to or, or blamed on mental illness. It seems when there's more than that mental illness, or it's not mental illness at all. It, it is demonic possession. It, it is indeed. And Steve the Church is saying demons. Exorcism is on the rise. Yes. Demonic possession is on the rise. Yes. Uh, yeah. Videos from different parts of the the globe are showing you know uh, these weird manifestations even on video. Um, That's right on, on both sides of the aisle, and, and yeah. so so we need the tools. We need the tools to address this. So I see this this book, uh, Power Prayers: Warfare That Works. I see this as fitting nicely in your in the, in the Christian's tool chest of weaponry. I, I, yes, it's weaponry, because we have to fight against those powers and principalities of darkness that inhabit the earth and or, or the people. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I just read a, just really quick a brief uh, uh, su- summary on the crime of a young man Sean Summers back in the eighties. Oh, this is folks. You, you can you can uh, search this out. But the bottom line here. He killed his parents, killed a Seven Eleven or a Circle K clerk. It, the, the demonic the possession. He opened himself up to the Church of Satan, as many many young people are doing today. And why is this? Why is this even relevant to this discussion? Well, because this is what, to me, anyway, to, to put relevance and context of, of of Sheila and Carla's book into play here. We have to understand what we're fighting, and and this is the tool. For which we can use to uh, not just identify but to fight against it, because we're looking for uh, we're looking for that tool, and, and here it is. Well, let me say ahead. something about that prayer concerning. Uh, we have actually have a prayer in our book. Funny you should bring up mental illness. We have a prayer concerning what we call mental torment, 
and you can, you know, pray that for someone else who is being attacked by inserting their name in the place of yourself. So, and you know, this is the deal. Statistics estimate, Doug and Joe, that one in every, actually this is really conservative, five people, one in five, they say even one in three, are struggling with some type of mental illness, mental disorder, they call it. And sadly, it's ubiquitous in today's church. And what's sadder is that it's not being addressed. It's like, let's, you know, send them to a shrink. And, you know, there's a tendency to kind of avoid that whole discussion of mental illness to avoid the stigma or the label that seems inevitably to attach to the victims. And, you know, here's the deal on this is the battlefield in which the demons work, folks, is your mind. And they can torment people like a cancer with the maximum suffering until the human breaks down. And what's very sad to me is you've got all these diagnoses like mental, whatever, illness, panic attacks, bipolar, personality disorders, schizophrenia, depression, autism, you know, you name it, fill in the blank, the list goes on. And suicide's multiplying at an alarming rate, you know, PTSD, and that's triggered by trauma. And so the term mental illness or well, mental disorder is actually rooted in the word torment. It's double-mindedness. So these spirits of infirmity, as Carla talked about, and, and spirits of torment can even cause a chemical imbalance, causing the afflicted person to seek medication. And, of course, then we get into the whole pharmakia, where we get the root word pharmaceutical. You know, and then they compound the problem. That pharmakia word actually means the use of medicine to induce a spell. You know, people can look that up and they're strong. So, I mean, we're dealing with an all-out outbreak of people suffering and being tormented and afflicted and oppressed. And that is exactly why we wrote this book, to deal with what, you know, the mainstream is just called, well, you know, just go to your mental, your mental, whatever, your, your witch doctor, basically. Right, Carla? Well, I think that in the beginning, back in the day, they, people went to witch doctors for their cures, and it, then it became unsophisticated, so they dropped the witch and just have doctors. <laughs> but, I mean, really the root, when she was talking about pharmakia, when you look up the word sorcery in the Bible, it means witchcraft. And witchcraft is pharmakia, and it's anyone who uses a drug or a potion. So where do you divide? Why, why is one good and one evil? Um, Luke 10, Luke, uh, no, it's Acts 10.38, when people say, well, do you think all sickness is a demon? Well, many of them are, are inherited generationally, but some of them, um, it says that Jesus, who was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. So if they needed healing, that means they were sick or afflicted by the devil. That's what that scripture says. He healed all those who were oppressed of the devil. And But if you mention that to somebody, they get very upset. You know, that, that's, that cancer is an evil spirit that comes to kill people. You know, uh, this is, this just, uh, Carla, I, I'm, uh, I want to add this. Uh, many people in our audience, Steve Quayle, Pastor Langford, they speak of Pastor Bruce York from um, the House of Prayer. Um, I met with Pastor York a couple of years ago. Um, it was like, I don't know, just shortly after our meeting that he uh, he suffered a blood uh, blood clot, was in a coma, and, and has subsequently passed away. 
the most holy man of God I've ever met in the house of prayer. Just the, the, the most fantastic organization I've ever. And they were at a food ever. bank for decades and, yes. and had done so much for the, uh, underprivileged and it's a, uh, those in need. But, but, but it, the reason I brought his name up is because what you just said about the, um, generational curses, for example, or the, the demons that, uh, that we need to pray against, that these are real Things and we spoke about that. Pastor York kind of gave me a Cliff Notes version, or crammed a lot of information in a short period of time. And when I was looking through your book today, I thought of him, and I thought of the work he had done. I don't know if you, you, I'm, I don't know if you may or may not know Pastor York and um, his work, but but this is all too real. And people really need to understand this. And generational curses. Can you, Sheila? I'm going to toss this to you. Can you just once and for all explain to our audience because we have we get this question a lot. What's a generational curse? What is that? I'll make a comment, and I really like the way Carla deals with this issue. But here's the deal. You know, people say to me, "Well, I don't. I can't have a curse. It's under the blood." Well, here's the deal. You got to appropriate it. And Carla's a very good analogy on this. If you had a fire in your kitchen, you know, it's burning down your whole kitchen. You go, "That's okay." I've got a fire extinguisher. You've got to appropriate that thing. So you've got to appropriate what Jesus Christ did at Calvary. Like she said, you're parking your tent right in front. So we've got to appropriate what Jesus did. If we didn't have a curse, we wouldn't be aging, Doug. So that's really something people have to, you know, stop just saying everything is under the blood. It has to be appropriated. We get a boatload of stuff coming generationally. I had lots of generational curses on both sides of my family. And, you know, just one thing after the other, a curse of death was on my family. You know, I had 17 relatives die of freak accidents. My brother died of uh, a pharmacia overdose. Um, my mom is a quadriplegic on life support still. And we've tried to deal with those issues because, you know, I can't do this for other people. Like, I can't brush your teeth for you. You have to be um, breaking these curses off yourself. And and this is what we do in the back of the book. There's kind of the first section where we have all these prayers, and then we deal with breaking curses. And I'll tell you what, I had a lot of curses. I had, to, I had a poverty and lack curse. I didn't even know where it came from. You know, uh, it's just crazy the kind of curses I came in with. My boys had it too. And so I broke that off my boys when they wanted to. But we can't break curses off people that don't want it. So we come in with this boatload of stuff. And Carla, if you want to add anything about generational curses, but I'll tell you, I know this is true because of the testimonies that the people that we've been working with for the last three years, they're, they're transformed. Their lives are transformed when they break these curses off them. Yes, and, it, you know, people say, well, I don't believe that's a curse. And I'll say, well, would you call it a blessing? You know, alcoholism. Well, my grandpa was an alcoholic, my daddy was an alcoholic, and, and I'm an alcoholic. You know, those, that's a curse. It's a generational curse of addiction, bondage to alcohol. Okay? So-and-so had epilepsy. Their son had epilepsy. This one has epilepsy. Whatever you see traveling down a family line that is not from God, not a blessing to your life, then it's a curse. That's it. You know, a curse is just... Now, there are curses 
like, I know, um, so, well, I don't believe anybody put a curse on me. No, 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 I don't mean that. It's like, witches will put a curse on you. And believe me, when you mention that man and how godly and how wonderful and everything, I've known many mighty, awesome, godly men drop dead. But I wonder sometimes, along with their godliness, their holiness, their their good works and everything, were they doing the warfare? Because I guarantee you witchcraft was a, a big part of why he was wiped out. Witchcraft is very real. People laugh if you if you say that. Um, I mean, I, I had to have a crash course on witchcraft because a lot of witchcraft was being worked against me. And God has taught me how to even protect myself from that. And it's something that if you, listen, if you're on the front lines, you better know how to protect yourself. Just because you pray well every day said, doesn't yeah. mean that you're not going to be touched by evil. That's true. And a lot of people, look, we can we can have the AK-47, AR-15, we can have the uh, survival knife, but if we don't have that spiritual uh, cloak of protection, and if we right. don't know how to, if we don't know how to, the, the phrase, put on the armor of God, for example, is this kind of what you're talking about as well? Put on the armor of God. Well, never take it off. Well, how do you, how do you put it on in the first place? Well, we well, have to, I, it's kind of, kind of like Christianity 101, I think. Go ahead. Yes, and I tell people, listen, the the weapon the weapons of warfare, your armor is not a little spiritual outfit you get up and put on. I'm putting on my boots, I'm putting on my shield. No, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. The helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness, those are lifestyle things that will put that armor on you. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, those are your, your, that is your armor. But it's not something that you get up and put on like you put on your pants. It's um, It's a spiritual discipline, a spiritual discipline to make sure that all of your armor is, is shiny, it's not rusty, it hadn't been, it's not collecting cobwebs, you know. You've got to keep it sharp and clean and ready to function. Absolutely. Uh, Sheila and Carla, we got about six minutes left before the end quick, of the segment. The <laughs> yes, it did. I want both of you guys to get in your closing thoughts and uh, any uh, words of advice you'd like to leave for our audience and uh, again thank you both for coming on well, I, just want, I just want to say that I cannot stress this point enough that the power of prayer it is astonishing the power of the living God it's activated through our prayers when of course I would say fasting and prayer but prayer is one of our biggest weapons against the enemy and the demonic hosts of hell and that is why it is so important that we as believers especially in this time learn how to pray effectively because again warfare prayer is treated as a last resort and again what does the word say in James 5.16 the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much and there's never been a time when we so urgently need this this kind of equipping because as the end times fast approach folks listen we're you think we're witnessing something now demonic invasion is upon us and never have we witnessed such a callous disregard for god and his word and for prayer and it's treated as a side note and i want to say listen get this 
and I'm really anxious to hear the testimonies. That's all I have to say. Carla, back to you. Well, I think what I would say, first of all, is I am not being critical of those who have a strong prayer life. But even as, you know, working in the ministry of casting out demons, you cannot get by with prayer alone. Prayer is powerful. We need that. It's a lifeline. But if you're not having some warfare in the spirit realm as well, you're only doing half of what you need to do, which may be why the enemy is coming up and biting you in the rear in some ways, like to look at the church, there's as much sickness in the church, just as much divorce in the church, just as much suicide. I mean, it's in the church, and so something's missing, and I believe that warfare is that missing link. Well said. Thank you. And, and and it's about time Christians learn how to do what they need to do with respect to fighting in the spiritual realm. And I can't think of two better people to really lay it all out than Sheila Zelensky and Carla Utah. Uh, thank you both. Sheila, uh, before we, before we leave, I, I just want to say thank you again. Thank you to two great friends. Uh, Sheila, you're, you're a great friend of the program and a great spiritual warrior out there. Thank you for all you do, Carla. The same as well. But, uh, Sheila, t- tell people how they can get your book and, uh, where they, where they can go. And, and, and how, how to listen to your program too, please. <laughs> yeah, when it gets back on air. Um, well, they can go to weekendvigilante.com and if they do want to click on the book link, it's, there's just a little menu at the top. It says books and it's right there. And I really encourage people to not only get this, but after you read it, I want to hear about the testimonies because I'm going to have a special, Carla and I have a special place for testimonies from you, the listeners. And I mean, we have a lot of the same listeners, Doug and Joe. You guys are very dear to my heart. And we just really do want to equip the saints because again, we get the emails, you guys get them. And it breaks my heart that people are falling woefully below where God wants them to be. And that's just really been a big thing on my heart. So, again, weekendvigilante.com. I try to do a show weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on my show, and there's a bunch of ways to listen, including we just got an Android app and smartphone app. So there's a lot of ways to listen. And I just really want to thank you for giving us this time tonight to talk about what I believe is a really important book that God gave to Carla and I. And she is a wonderful woman. I love her. We're very good friends. And, in fact, I'm going to see her in two weeks. And I'm just very excited about what God's doing with this book. And I love you lots, Carla. Love your listeners out there, Doug and Joe. And I just thank you for letting us come on tonight. Yes, thank you. It was great to have you. And um, you guys keep up the great work. and, And thanks for coming on to talk about your book, Power Prayers. Warfare that works, folks. Go to uh, Amazon and search Power Prayers and order uh, Sheila and Carla's book. Again, thank you guys so much. Uh, God bless you both, and you have a great night. And we'll talk soon. God bless thank you. you. Bye bye. Right. Thank you both. Well, that was a, very a great interesting. two hours, and it was great to hear from Sheila and, and uh, uh, Carla the co-author of the book and um, definitely an interesting topic something that we must each and individually look much closer at and um, you know when keeping track of what we're doing for for Jesus um, 
and what we're doing for our spiritual life, we need to keep these things in mind. Uh, Joe, before before we and you could take us out, but I just want to mention, um, I had to, I had told people that, uh, and I on the show I had said that I was going to contact or have a discussion with uh, Hillsdale College professor, professor. That didn't happen, but I just you pointed this out on Drudge. There is a link to us uh, usnews dot com about. A candidate's death could delay or eliminate the presidential election. Chaos would ensue if a vacancy emerges near election day. You know, are we being gamed here? Are we getting being prepared for something like this? Folks, look at this. Uh, and by the way, yes, the answer is yes. A candidate's death or disqualification or whatever could have a dr- dr- drastic dramatic effect on this on this election absolutely we are going to a break when we come back mr standeo will be with us folks go to standeo.com on the right hand side of his page is a microphone to the right of that is the show images link where you can go to look at the images that we are using to talk about with stan right after this Hagman Report coming to you live. We are the Hagman and Hagman Report with something I like to call America's Premier Father Son Investigative Reporting Team. You know, folks, look at the landscape, the political, geopolitical landscape. We are looking at chaos right around the corner here tonight, of course, Standale, to get into a lot of the issues that are on your mind. You've had a week this past week to uh to review the the changes that we're seeing the earth changes the signs in the heavens i mean we all of this combined and not to mention the political theater but the geopolitics behind it whether it's domestic or international yes all of this together and of course we look at the news at events through the lens of well from a christian perspective don't we Yes, we do. Folks, go to standeo.com now. While you're on, while you're listening to this, because, and click on the show images page, there are some image assets for tonight. Joe, take it. Yeah, we got a lot to get into tonight with, uh, Standeo, uh, from the extreme weather and from flooding to animals being killed. Stan, I see you have the, the story up there about the 323 reindeer being killed by lightning. There was, uh, a story today about, I think it was 13 more cows that were killed by lightning, uh, just today. Also, it's great to have you back here. Here. Um, let me, let me double check. I'm not sure, uh, was that in Norway where that happened, uh, with the reindeer? Yes. Okay, let me see. Um, uh, I don't believe it was in Norway, but I will, uh, check right now. They took the link off the site here, so I'm going to just do a quick search for it. While you're looking for that, I'll I'll say that um, I've heard uh, from cattlemen over the years that 
they've come and found um, steers or cows that have been close to the power lines when the power lines have shorted out from moisture or rain and have killed the cows, you know, down at the base of these power lines. That's pretty normal. But this one here, I mean, you know, the the reindeer do get killed by lightning strikes in Norway. That does happen from time to time. But to have such a large number of them and all together get wiped like that is quite unusual. Um, I think that it's it's a sign of increasing super lightning storms. It's going to get worse, I think. Absolutely. Uh, did you find that spot about the cows where it was? Uh, no, I, I haven't here. Uh, but I did find a story about 500 cows from New Zealand disappearing in one evening, which is pretty odd. Uh, yeah, that would take a lot of UFOs or something. <laughs> yeah. Was yeah. That, is that was that North Island or South Island that disappeared? Um, let's see here. They say Wellington, New Zealand. Right. Okay, Wellington, down near the border, the uh, the Straits. Uh, and they don't know what where they went or what happened. Yeah, they they don't know. They said locals said they'd never heard of any. Uh, cattle rustling like this on a massive scale and that's a na- uh, nation that's home to some 10 million cows and double the number of people the farmer involved is feeling too sheepish to talk about what happened but he's ap- absolutely in- embarrassed um, he says that uh, if you had three quarters of a million dollars go missing you wouldn't want to talk about it either um, as they go on to detail how much a price of a cow is worth in um, they say uh, in New Zealand milking a cow uh, a cow's worth uh, about $1,500 in New Zealand um, and it depends on the weight and you uh, take 500 cows and yeah that's a lot of money yeah they said they'd need to fill 13 uh, a trailer truck would need to be loaded 13 times over to move that many cattle away from the land well, it depends on how often he checked his herd. If he was being a bad steward, then somebody might have done that over several trips and just gradually got the whole herd. Yeah. I uh, still can't find the... The, uh, the cow story the, about the lightning. It really is there. It, it, Texas lightning oh, strike okay. killed 19 cows as they shelter under a tree. This was in Texas. Yeah. Uh, a single bolt of lightning striking a tree took all of 19 cows who were shelter- but, sheltering but during the storm. I mean, is that unusual, Stan? That's not unusual, is it? I mean, 19 well, cows. Well, normally, lightning. yeah, I mean, you get deaths like that. Um, but, you know, the the size of the hit in Norway was interesting. Uh, and that is, of course, the largest hit they've ever seen in Norway, uh, you know, for uh, reindeer to get clobbered by lightning. On the slopes there, I mean, they're just. Um, they must have all been huddled together and been in the rain and wet and made a good conductive spot. Uh, the ground underneath, you know, also had to have uh, the capacity to carry the charge. But to hit that many of them, just bang, what I saw was there wasn't a lot of, like, didn't look like burn marks on them. And normally you'd get that from a strong uh, bolt, but maybe it was just enough to depolarize their heart nerves and they just stopped working and fell down. I hope that was the way it was if they had to go. It'd be less uh, pain involved. Just stop. Um, what what I was looking at that for was because the cosmic ray penetration of our atmosphere and coming down to the Earth. I mean, like.
things are normally kind of shielded off the earth by increased solar wind from our sun and uh, solar flares. We've seen from scientific reports here in the last few years that, okay, solar flares, they occur, and the bigger ones come sweeping past us, uh, hopefully not at us, but past us, and it shields us from a large portion of the incoming cosmic radiation from all sorts of places out there. Well, because the sun has been unusually quiet, they say, and you can click on this, by the way, uh, go to um, the second row middle image, you'll see a white uh, kind of graph with a little red line, click on the type, and that will take you to the article at Space Weather, and uh, down, oh, just a, a two or three paragraphs down, you'll see that same graph. And you'll see that um, the uh, article covers cosmic rays and what they do on the Earth. I mean, they trigger lightning. Uh, duh. We're seeing an increase in super lightning strikes and, and, and storms. Is it because of the increase in penetration by cosmic radiation? Um, it can cause more rain, you know, uh, by the same token. So anyway, the report shows that since last year it's up 125 to 13% the penetration of cosmic radiation and if you're flying at high altitude in commercial airplanes you'll be getting you know extra doses of it and if you're you know a, a military or test pilot and stuff like that if you're up there more frequently at higher altitude you know like you know 40 50,000 feet then you might get a little bit more than the normal and certainly people on the space station would need to have increased shielding to um to mitigate that, they did find a few years back that uh, human waste in orbit, if they put it in little packets and put it up into the walls of the space station or the spacecraft, that that does also shield the uh, astronauts from, you know, uh, uh, cosmic radiation and uh, uh, radiation from the sun itself and various frequencies. I found that it was apparently something to do with the hydrogen that uh, forms and ammonia and things like that in the waste materials, but they found that uh, it is really quite good to use hydrogen products to, uh, or hydrogen compounds to shield the astronauts from radiation. Quite quite unusual. I always thought it had to be like lead and you know, really dense stuff, but hydrogen and, uh, you know, packaged poo. Stuff, That's eh? very interesting. Stan, if I can ask, I know that there's a, obviously a big dif- difference between cosmic radiation and the radiation from, let's say, the release at Fukushima. Um, are we able to know, I mean, I guess the question is, are we able to, to for sure know that this is cosmic radiation that would add to the uh, level of doses people in airplanes would get uh, rather than cosmic radiation, or could it be a mixture of both? Or is this just a, this is just the cosmic radiation? Um, it, it's more the cosmic. Uh, the, the Fukushima thing is uh, not quite as uh, much a threat, you know, in the upper atmosphere uh, as stuff coming from outside the planet. Um, I forget the study. There was uh, something done uh, sometime back about supernova you know, a sun or a star exploding. Um, you know, if they're close enough, uh, the gamma and ultraviolet and various other forms of radiation come out of supernova explosion could uh, kill everything on our planet. So having shielding from cosmic radiation sources like supernovae, even if they're a long way away, is a good thing. <laughs> a supernova nearby could change our climate uh, for the worse. <laughs> you want to 
lot of distance between you and any exploding star, especially you know the, the larger ones, um, not just a nova but a supernova. And uh, anyway, it, it, you won't have anything, any warning about it when something like that happens. By the time that we see the light radiation from it, the, the thing has already hit our system and uh, thoroughly. Uh, cooked us. In fact, with the neutrino count that might come with it, it might have just depolarized every living thing on the planet and the solar system, and that's it. Anyway. You, you know, Stan, I, I, you, you mentioned the word, that the key word, neutrino. Now, I, I remember about a year and a half ago speaking to someone within the intelligence community talking about neutrinos and about, um, well, uh, what is a neutrino, and and what do they do? And is there any relevance to? Is there any reason I should we should be talking about this? I don't recall the exact context because I think the conversation was actually over my head, or or at least his part was over my head. So neutrinos is should we be paying attention to any of this? And um, well, uh, yes and no. Uh, the the neutrino itself is. Uh, for a long time, they didn't even think it had mass. It was such a tiny, you know, indistinct uh, particle or um, uh, things like that. Over at CERN, they've been, you know, certainly paying attention to neutrinos and neutrino decays. Um, when a neutrino decays, uh, it becomes a proton, electron, and an antineutrino. There's three things that come out of it, so it's got to have mass if it produces those things, and they have found that recently. But um, measuring the amount of these neutrinos that are produced by the sun and come through the earth tells us the state of health of the sun. One of the things in the last decade that has come out of the deep mine detectors they use to to, uh, determine the neutrino density from the sun is that the sun is not producing as many neutrinos per square whatever mile of our surface area as it used to, and it should. So it's just another indication that something is wrong with the sun. It's going quiet in that kind of reaction. Uh, even though it's warmer and we're seeing, you know, coronal holes open up rather than coronal mass ejection, we're seeing these holes open up and radiation coming out of it. I really think this is just another way to tell that the sun is going through a, a phase state change that may have started, you know, 30, 40 years ago, but it's becoming more and more obvious from the various tests that um, the, the solar neutrino count is down. I'm just trying to remember where they had the uh, they, they, were, they had this cave. I mean, they went down deep to put the cave in there and put these uh, special water tanks and stuff to and detectors in them to detect the neutrinos way underground just from the sun. And I can't remember why um, they wanted to do it so deep underground, but I think they put it in uh, uh, like a gold mine up in the Dakotas in South Dakota, perhaps. Hmm. Um, and uh, they uh, they use a very clean water, like a distilled or you know pure water, not rainwater or anything like that. And then they've got these special little tubes uh, down at the bottom of it. I don't know whether I guess they might be spaced, but they might be solid. I don't know. You know, across the base of the tank, uh, they're called photomultiplier tubes. And so when a neutrino hit it, it would uh, make a very faint light uh, in the water, and uh, the uh, these super sensitive light tubes, in essence, would pick up that light. And uh, I, I think it might be something like uh, Schrenkopf radiation that we get from tachyon produced in nuclear reactors that produces blue water. But anyway, um, okay. that's, you know, 
about all we need to, to do on neutrinos. All right. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. All right. Okay. Well. But anyway, okay. Now, that uh, that uh, uh, increase in cosmic radiation it is leading to anomalous weather. And this, I don't think, has anything to do with pole ships or anything else or Nibiru. It is simply the de- uh, decrease in our shielding, which is kind of an interesting point when you think about it, because we do know the north and south magnetic poles are weakening. I have known that for some time, but it's accelerating. And these create the ionospheric shield that we need to shield us from cosmic radiation and from solar radiation that's in the lethal bands. Um, so as our magnetic field weakens, even that protection is leaving us and it's causing us to experience more violent weather. All these things add up. Um, hey, did you did you guys get anybody report to you here over the weekend about the uh, the the bunch of earthquake recordings over at uh, Yellowstone on their seismometers? We, we had uh, a number of people send us. Uh, I mean, yes, yes. There's a, from the earthquake in Italy to uh, a few earthquakes. Um, I forget where it was in, in somewhere in, in Europe where. Um, there's a history of, of earthquakes, uh, major earthquakes shutting down airplane travel. Um, there was two 4.0s under a volcano there, and then what's been going on in Yellowstone. Yeah, absolutely. And then along with the uh, the tropical depressions and hurricanes from the Gulf to... to and and if I can just interject one thing here, uh, folks, please pray for our listener Karen in Rome, Italy. And Karen, if you're listening, please check in to let us know how you're doing. Our prayers are with you. Uh, but Stan, going back to the earthquake, and, and Joe, thank you for allowing me to do that. But um, yes, the earthquakes and reports in Yellowstone, what's up with that? <clears throat> well, I got, you know, Cam that watches the earthquakes uh, was on top of it as it was happening. I said, look at what's happening in Yellowstone. All the recorders showing, you know, a about a three-minute earthquake that was pegging the needles there. So I started looking around all over the planet trying to find, you know, some big earthquake, you know, a Richter 7 or 8 or something somewhere, and there was nothing. It was calm out there. And poking around, eventually I found um, that in Wyoming, at the south end, the south side, of Yellowstone National Park, a 4.8 earthquake occurred on the 27th of August at exactly the same time that all these readings hit the Yellowstone seismometers. I, on the third row down there, the first couple pictures, uh, in fact, the whole third row is to deal with that particular event. One story at the right side of the row there, that uh, black kind of square with the little, you know, uh, seismic waves on it. That guy says that uh, the official story is that it was due to fracking somewhere, miles and miles away from where the quake occurred. And uh, not everybody is kind of buying that story. But it is interesting in that of the 32 seismometers that are public anyway, Yellowstone, only two of them didn't register that 4.8 earthquake in the southern part of the uh, Yellowstone Park. That's not normally where I would expect to see magma or volcanic activity beneath the surface. It's it's south instead of northwest, north-northwest corner of the park. But there are, in the next row, there are images I took with Google Earth showing um, where the seismometers were, all those green things are the seismometers, and then the, the yellow dot with an arrow in the first one shows at the very south end of the park where that quake occurred. You can see there's mountains between it and... Uh, uh, the rest of the uh, seismometers.
occurring. If you go to the second uh, graph on that green row there, you see in 2010 there was a flurry like hundreds of small earthquakes under Richter II that occurred a little bit further west than where the fire is today. But uh, periodically you do get, you do get uh, flurries of quakes. And uh, where this one was in 2010, I think I remember when that happened, is where uh, there's uh, they, they found that there was magma movement uh, in a tube going west, um, uh, which might be a way that it's escaping into the uh, thinner part of the crust, and there may be a magma flow or an eruption there at some time. But anyway, it was interesting to see that that, that pattern was there at the time in 2010, and here we are six years later, and kind of worrying about it again that that bell ringer quake that um that was interesting it uh if you look at the two graphs or two pages i've got the thumbnails up above that uh it's a 30 or 32 yellowstone seismometer show quake that's one and then the one to the right of it's two so the one to the right of number two if you look at that you can see probably the ones that uh, registered the longest vibration of that uh was uh moose creek and um, Flag Ranch and, and Hebgen Lake. And if you go back to the thumbnails over there, you can then see that, um, you know, Flag Ranch is down toward the bottom there, where close to where the earthquake occurred. And Moose Creek and Hebgen are over in the northwest corner where, you know, I suspect that the plasma move or the magma move is occurring and will occur for some time. That, we, that uh, tells me that... Uh, it's either a more sensitive earthquake at Moose Creek or Moose Creek was recording other little things happening there at the same time and they added together. If you look at the Moose Creek, like uh, thumbnails on the second image there, uh, the number two image, you'll see a second row first picture, you'll see that there was a lot of activity, little little tremors all around it, uh, and then the big quake down in, in Wyoming. So maybe Moose Creek is more sensitive, a different kind of seismometer, I don't know, but um, it is recording over an area that I would suspect they'd be watching, and it, because of its sensitivity, I think it picked up a lot more things and stretched out the, the shaking of the, uh, uh, the Wyoming quake because of that. Anyway, those things are there for you to look at. Um, Very interesting, uh, Stan. Yeah, now, I forget who sent this to me, but uh, there's a, a PDF that uh, you can look at um, on the row underneath all those things. Now, PDF is weather as a force multiplier, owning yes. the weather in 2025. If you click on I've that, it will download. Did you do that? Yeah, I've read this before. Um, I, it's probably been a year or two at least, but I have read this. This is a very detailed uh, uh, PDF that talks about how they, uh, f- the powers of be can own and weaponize the weather um, and they say that they can and will be able to do this before 2025. Well, they've been able to do that before. I mean, they've done it already. But to be able to completely control it and weaponize it, you have to do it in a manner that the enemy, uh, or, or the, whether that be in warfare, whether it be in population control, that whoever your target is is not able to detect it and counter it with a like, you know, like a, a negative effect on the environment that they're trying to change to create, you know, rain or drought or whatever. Um, the U.S. is the only one with this kind of technology. Russia and the United States signed an, a pact in 1977, I think it was, uh, banning weather warfare, use of weather warfare between them. 
didn't limit China or any other country from practicing that. And, of course, both the United States and Russia, it didn't stop them from researching and developing knowledge about how to use weather uh, to control the environment of not only their own country but other countries. And uh, even though they're not using it for warfare, allegedly, we know that that could be turned to, to that kind of a weapon whenever they felt like it. Um, on that same row on the right, uh, there's a, an article that um, it shows flooding, uh, and um, if you click on the picture or the uh, text, either one, it goes to uh, a 27 August uh, article about the floods in Iowa, and um, you know they had like eight inches of rain, which is double their amount of rain for August uh, in two days. Now, if you own down the article, in addition to saying about that flood, the guy is showing that, uh, you know, other things uh, in other countries like uh, Tropical Storm in Mexico, how many kills in Pakistan and Macedonia, and, uh, you know, uh, temperature rises in, the, in various places, um, uh, lightning strikes in Odisha, India, killing 40, uh, 35 others, and uh, uh, 40 people and 35 injured. Anyway, you can scroll, scroll down that at your leisure later, and you can see there uh, that fires in India killed 124 people, 55,000 cattle, and damaged 336,000 plus homes after monsoon rains hit. Um, when you put all these little factors together, and I think this guy that put that together there, it starts to tell you that, uh, boy, the weather is not our friend at the moment. Yeah, you can say that again. From the uh, flooding that just happened in in Louisiana, um, even here up in our area, you know, since a few weeks back, we saw this very intense storm, got about a month's worth of rain, uh, if maybe two months worth in one night, I think about five inches, and um, you know these, as you said last week, these thousand year weather events. What was there uh, five or eight in the last um, six six months or something like that? It was yeah, you were yeah, all at least five, yeah. And it just shows, you know, the, uh, you know, the first few hours we were talking about the increase in, in spiritual wickedness and demonic activity. And it seems to correspond with an increase in severe and catastrophic, uh, weather from, uh, these flooding events to the earthquakes and the, you know, magma and, and volcanic problems that we have all across the world going on right now. Folks, you're listening to Stan Deo on, uh, this Hagman and Hagman Report Tuesday edition. We are coming up against the break in a minute. Yes, we, uh, I just wanted to pump pipe in here. I'm not going to interrupt it. you. Stan, uh, I've been getting emails mm-hmm. upon emails upon emails because you're the guy to ask about the Internet surrender. You and Holly, uh, whatever, I mean, Holly was so well-received last week about the uh, prophetic perils. Right. And then you, of course. But... The ICANN Internet, uh, to, you know, surrender of the Internet. Um, people want to know your opinion on that. I, I don't know if that's in your wheelhouse or if you feel that's in your wheelhouse, but boy, people want to know what you think of that and how you think that we, and that includes you and Holly and us, are going to be affected by this. So, on the are we side, doing that after maybe. the break or what? Yeah, if you don't mind. You're yeah, listening to the Hagman and the Hagman part. Okay. Yeah, Holly just, uh, Correct my my guess there on how many of those uh, one in a thousand year uh, floods are talking oh. about. She said there's been ten of them in the last six years. Wow, <laughs> and they've been more this year. Wow, we'll be right back. Stay with us. 
talking with Stan Dale from standale.com. Bookmark that site. Grab the books that Stan and Holly have both authored and Stan's lectures as well, from Dare to Prepare to Prophetic Perils to a Cosmic Conspiracy. We have been uh, talking with Stan for one segment. We got one segment left before the top of the, uh, before the bottom of the hour break. We were talking about ICANN, the surrendering of the internet control from the U.S. to the U.N. or an international body. And uh, Stan, if we could get your opinion on this, I know that I've heard a few different um, opinions. Uh, one was said that. Since the internet is federally controlled, Obama has no power whatsoever to hand it over to an international body without the approval of Congress. But as we know, he did so anyway, and I doubt there will be any ramifications for that. But um, as my my dad mentioned, there has been several uh, questions regarding this move, and uh, from censorship to the legality of what they did. Um, do you have an, an opinion on this? I do. What could happen? Well, look. <clears throat> If you look at this from a like a globalist position, the the globalists look at the whole world situation, right? The world government and the United States, because of you know most of us here that, that live and form the United States, have a, a very uh, resistant attitude, a very nationalist uh, attitude to joining you know like the United Nations or global organizations at the moment because they are in direct opposition to the way our Constitution lets us live. So in an effort to probably protect the rest of the world that has Internet, the businesses, the governments, and whatever, in case America fails, you know, in case (laughs) it's attacked or whatever, the Internet needs to be elsewhere and functioning controlled offshore in case they lose the U.S. And um, I think that that's the long-term game plan so that the world leader that does emerge, whoever it is, will be able to use that communication network for uh, cashless uh, trading all over the world. They need to preserve that. That's a a, a major uh, tool that they need to control the population monetarily and otherwise and to track people. Um, so I think that's why the move's happening, and uh, whether Obama did it or whatever, that it was going to be taken from us and over into Europe and spread throughout uh, the rest of the countries that are eventually going to control the the new world order, probably several European countries and several Arab countries, uh, Turkey being one of them, in the new 10-region map of the world that the Club of Rome has uh, long put forward. Anyway, I I don't like it, but, you know, it is what is coming, and it's so close now then that every day almost uh, something else adds to the the puzzle on the desk there about how the new world order is forming and will look when it's finished. We're we're collateral damage to yeah. the whole United States. And and that one of our emailers from actually from Europe had equated your assessment of the Antichrist, your uh, your investigation, your compilation of of potential candidates with that transfer. Understand with the understanding that. Hey, you know, there's going to be some uh, Islamic control and hence censorship over this, which could affect the religious component to this one-world system of governance, which um, very very eloquently stated, and that from uh, George uh, living in Germany. Yes, George. You know, 
Um, before I get too far off of the weather, I wanted to, to look at earthquakes. I've noticed something that's uh, quite interesting. Uh, on the second row of my show image page on the, the left and the right, uh, the end images, go to the one earthquakes last seven days north and South America, click on that and look at it. <clears throat> now, okay. if you look at the quakes in the last seven days, they form a line all up the coast of the west coast of South America, right up in Central America, have run right up through toward Mexico City, and then it stops. And then you see that there's a lot more little tiny quakes around California in the Southern California area, and then an arm that scoops up around toward Yellowstone. Those are, uh, you know, precursors, small quakes for pressure release. Now, if you look at the at that same image, but over into the middle of the Atlantic between the kind of the pointy part of South America and the the knob on Africa. Uh, at north of Ascension Island there uh, on the 29th, which was what, uh, probably something like 36 hours ago, there was a 7.1 there on that fault, on that, uh, like a plate tectonic border. And the same, you know, if you look, go up and toward the Azores, uh, up there where it'd be between New England states, Canada, and, um, the Mediterranean opening there at the, uh, the, the the northwest part of Africa there at the Gibraltar area. There is a five, Richter five in the Azores Island. Now, uh, Kim, Earthquake Kim, has been monitoring these things and sending me data on it. Uh, there's a lot more little earthquakes occurring there than USGS uh, shows in this particular map because they, uh, you, know, you, just, you just need to go to a different uh, sensor array over in Europe to pick these up. But it's showing that that fault line in that area there, or that uh, you know tectonic plate line, which is a fault line, is uh, becoming more active. And probably three or four years back, I read a report, which I shared with you guys, about a new tectonic plate fracture forming from the Azores area there in, in North Africa heading over toward the United States so that eventually there will be a break there. Now, it might be that the break uh, veers down toward Puerto Rico, those areas where you see a cluster of quakes. There's, there's a few of them there. Um, or it, it it might go slightly higher than that. But that whole kind of region going all the way down to the South Pole and looping around, you see that there's a lot of stress being released and significant releases. I mean, when I say significant, you know, Richter 5s or betters uh, up the west coast of, of South America and then down the uh, South Pole uh, area where the Altanen uh, asteroid hit. Um, uh, near uh, the Skoy Island in South Georgia and the Sandwich Islands. So you can see a pattern yeah. forming there, and certainly yeah. there is a, an a, uh, allied-type pattern forming over to the west in Asia, particularly a 6.8 in Burma, uh, which was mm, probably about uh, six or seven days ago, about a week ago. But you can see the loop around that fault line or that plate tectonic border all the way around to uh, just north of New Zealand's North Island. And and Japan has been having a cluster of quakes, and some of them being off Fukushima, which I covered last week. Now then, Hawaii is showing a number of smaller quakes. Is that due to, um, you know, the, the major volcanoes becoming active again? Um, you know, it's so far away from everything else, I don't know what would be doing it, because normally that area moves over a hot spot as it has for a period of time, and that produces the volcanoes. But something is making earthquakes and volcanoes more active. And I was reading a report over the weekend that we have, like, they think maybe 130,000 volcanoes, count the ones under the sea, uh, and, and, 
many more than that, but about 130,000 that have activity of some sort at the moment, which is kind of, you know, interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't I, know I saw what you're calling it. You know, NASA, I think it was NASA, uh, this was sometime last week, said that there was a 99% chance of L.A. to have a, a major pressure release earthquake within the next two years. Holy cow. Yeah, um, I have the. I believe I have the article saved. Let me see if I can find it. But it was um, something I was surprised to see, and it was from NASA. So I don't know how accurate they are. Yeah, here it is. NASA says massive earthquake is ninety nine point nine percent likely to rock LA within the next two years. I'll uh, put this in your Skype stand. This is from uh, the Express UK, and. Um, yeah, I read this last week and, and uh, immediately thought of you. And, and uh, it talks about how that there are indicators of pressure quakes happening around that fault line, uh, in which you're talking about. Well, yeah, that's what, that must be what they're talking about. Yeah, it might not be two years; it might be less. I mean, it's in the next two years, which could be today and up till the next two years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I got that link. It came through here. I'll uh, I'll have a look at that later. Yeah, they say the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, uh, JPL in Pasadena, have warned a series of mini tremors beneath the city of uh, Los Angeles uh, caused pressure to build up, and they cite a 5.1 earthquake uh, from 2014 that they say is still left over from that strain, and they say that they expect a, a massive hit before April of 2018. Yeah, well, you know, um, normally, uh, if you know that there's pressure building up on a major fault line, you can go to contributor, you know, smaller fault lines that connect into the main one and detonate at certain depths, uh, you know, depending on the formation underground, but detonate to cause smaller quakes to relieve the pressure on it. But it's like uh, when you take a piece of clear plastic, you know, perspe- uh, uh, what do you call it, um, we used to call it Perspex down in Australia. I forget what the name of it is in, in America, but it's like, um, you know, clear plastic that you start to bend to break it. He's bending it in half. And if you watch it in the sunlight, you'll see that little micro fractures all form around where it's going to break. And it's like those micro fractures are releasing the pressure that they were holding by, you know, their atomic bonds or whatever, releasing that pressure to go to the point of breaking. And so this might be what's happening in uh, L.A. there. Maybe that's that's what they're talking about. Look, they've been warning people uh, all over the, the West Coast over the last couple of years with uh, civil drills and stuff. Say, say again? Oh, plexiglass. Yeah, sorry, Holly was telling me that. I, that was what I was talking about. Um, but they've been warning people with drills and, and preparedness things for tsunamis and what to do with earthquakes and what not to do. And they're not wasting time. The government, you know, basically has a vested interest in California and uh, the West Coast in general, particularly California, which produces a lot of the food that we eat and various other things. But uh, so when they're uh, investing that much time and money into the public, kind of on a, let's see, if we're not prepared here, let's get prepared in case something happens. They're telling you something is going to happen. And now they come out with this announcement. This is giving a warning to people in the area that uh, are thinkers and uh, pay attention to the news and the subtlety of it, that if you need to get out of town for a while, you might start planning on that pretty soon. (laughs) Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, 
anyway, yeah. we... Yeah. Oh, hey, one interesting little sidelight talking about Antichrist and that kind of stuff and about the Arab influence. You know, I, 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 I lean either toward uh, Prince Mohammed bin Salman or toward Erdogan in Turkey. And certainly uh, Erdogan is rising to the front as far as uh, a guy that's being revered in his country as a, you know, a, a super sultan, uh, you know, like the one that, that formed the Ottoman Empire and, you know, a, a modern-day Solomon. And, uh, you know, he, he's really gaining favor there. Now, at the same time, young Prince Mohammed bin Salman has been going all around the planet uh, opening up business deals and trade with China and uh, Russia and uh, Pakistan. He's been a very busy boy. And one thing that I saw that was kind of well, I don't know, of, of interest uh, related to Atlantis, is since Atlantis is there at the Mom Island, just right next to Bahrain, on the west coast of, of the Persian Gulf or the Arab Gulf, um, Prince uh, Ben Salman has been over to China in the last couple of days meeting with the Vice Premier Zheng Gaoli, and he has made a deal with him to come over to Saudi Arabia and build 100,000 new homes uh, in a, an area that's kind of a, a very wet area. It's been that way for thousands of years in the desert there, about 100 miles, well, between 90 and 100 miles off the coast there where uh, the capital of Atlantis was in, in, in my discovery. So I find it interesting that they're going to have tourism, and, and they're, they're talking to Six Flags about you know bringing in an entertainment park or, or several, and they're talking to the Chinese now then making an agreement to build these homes for 100,000 people, and there's a road that connects that settlement there with all the, the the water and aquifers and stuff and the the the, uh, the growth potential there for food and stuff. That area is being is connected by road to Damam Island, where the oil fields were discovered there that made Saudi Arabia rich. But now, where we know the oil is dwindling, and he's trying, you know, Mohammed bin Salman's trying to turn the Saudi economy over to um, uh, entertainment, tourism, uh, precious metals, that kind of stuff. And so the, here is a sign that I think they're going to eventually announce that they, they have Atlantis there. And uh, so they're getting ready for the tourist influx there. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's inter- interesting. Yeah. Oh, I, um, another thing, you know, uh, there's down toward, uh, four, how many rows down is that? That's one, two, three, four. I should have numbered these five, six. Seven rows down, there's a black and white picture of a, of a guy pointing at a little model of the earth with rings and wires on it. Um, you click on that and you'll read the article about the guy. The main thing that I put that up for is because of the image to the right of that where I have one of my old ENCODA earthquake predictor maps. It's on our website where I explain how I use the electric field variations in the the fault lines to determine where an earthquake was going to occur. This guy on the left is showing the magnetic and electric links of the sun linked to causing earthquakes. So I'm being vindicated bit by bit by these people now making these discoveries come forward. And, of course, the U.S. Navy and, and uh, NASA, they don't give me credit for what I gave them. But anyway, they may have already known it anyway. I, I suppose they did. But electricity from the sun, magnetism from the sun, all these things affect electric charge and pressures that do trigger earthquakes. So... Just fun thing there. Yeah, that's I interesting. I guess you got questions, yeah. have you? Uh, electricity um, being electricity and magnetism um, 
are two, you know, huge forces that are part of our universe. And we did a show with another show with Anthony Patch recently where we were talking about CERN and, you know, the electric universe and, uh, magnetism and, and how their CERN's being used to, uh, you know, obviously they're uh, creating this, uh, he talked about this plasma accelerator that's being, um, added on to the particle accelerator and, and the potentials that that had. Uh, to create havoc on the earth and uh, I guess I gotta read this a little bit more but it makes more sense of how um, you know in, elect- in, in an electric universe how electricity and magnetism can cause uh, you know the kind of earth changes that we see yeah um, I th- I, I've been asked to write a forward to the book that he's doing with uh, Gonzo and uh, with uh, Woodward and a couple of other fellows and yeah. I did read uh, in his uh, in this part of the book uh, about the uh, the new uh, uh, way to use the CERN to oh, like increase the uh, the electron or the energy of the colliding beams by gosh I don't know what a thousand or a million times it's just some incredible amount um, and when they do that that's going to that's very risky. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the kind of reactions that may come out of that. But um, of course, they're mm-hmm. saying uh, that uh, if you had him on the show, I think he was probably saying about the, the threat to opening up a hole between universes. Yes, he was. And we actually do have an email question uh, about CERN for you, and it's actually tied into what you just uh, said. You read. Uh, they ask uh, one of your previous guests said uh, scientists at CERN are to install a linear accelerator. The energy released would increase 1,000 times. My question concerns the uh, detection of this energy. Uh, And they go on to ask, um, looking at technological improvements over the last 10 to 20 years from computers to phones, uh, I would expect scientific hardware would improve on a similar scale. Uh, Science would conceptualize the design of hardware with a theoretical uh, bias. And they go on to say engineers would develop the detection hardware at these at these specifications. Now, questions to Stan. How would a scientist design a detector for an unknown energy? That's one question. And then the second one is, if detection is not improved and the power of the experiment is increased, would this no longer be considered science but reckless experimentation? Huh. Well, to... <laughs> To make a, a, a method of determining an unknown energy, uh, it's, you know, that's such an open-ended question because are we looking for energy in extremely high frequencies, uh, in, um, in a form that, uh, it's the, 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 the matter of it or the energy of it is so small that it goes through the molecular, uh, matrices of all matter and equipment that we would design because it's so tiny it passes right through like it's not there. Um, what are we looking for? You see, it, it's such a, a broad question. I don't know how to answer that. It's just, uh, you know. I guess uh, re- reading this, they just was, was wondering if there's a way to actually uh, detect um, the energy output that is being uh, put out by CERN, but I guess even their own instruments are the only thing that, that seem to be suitable uh, to be able to do that. And and that the rate they're increasing, uh, the amount of energy they're using, I would guess there is no scale. Um, well, yeah, and how close would you have to be, in other words, to, uh, to yeah. the, the CERN when it happens? Um, you know, gosh, it's... <sighs> 
I know that they 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 build up a lot of energy uh, in the, the the coils in the toroid that forms the loop. You know, uh, it's inside the loop uh, of the the CERN reactor, and they accelerate two beams in opposite directions, and then eventually they steer the beam so they collide. Now, the collision releases a huge amount of energy on a a subatomic level. The real amount of energy to accelerate these things up to near the speed of light is in the the magnetic coils that go all the way around the the circle of the whole CERN accelerator. That is enough uh, on normal uh, tests they've done to power a small city, you know, uh, with electricity for, and they have that amount of energy in there for maybe 8 to 12 hours as they ramp up these two uh, beams to make them collide. Now, they have been colliding these particles, as I understand it, kind of off-axis, off-center, so they, they glance at each other and split off parts of each other, and they were lighter-weight molecules rather, or atoms rather than, um, you know, heavy things like lead, which they're planning to use in this new method. Um, as a result, they are now going to focus the beams to hit exactly head-on, and that will be an annihilation of both uh, particles at that speed. Which, you know, it's unknown. It's it's kind of uh, to us. It's unknown what will happen. Maybe they have mathematical formulas that um, one way it does this, or the other way it does that. But either way, it's going to be safe. And as long as they haven't uh, forgotten some contingency that may happen at that kind of a test, it it may not be uh, careless. You know, ex, you know, experimentation. It may be logical and safe and controlled. I don't know. Uh, that's something that's so deep in the bowels of their computer network and, and their the whole organization that none of us would know unless they brought us into the inner circle, I'm sure. No, you're right about that. Stan, we've got about five minutes left of the program. Um, if there's any, I want to turn it over to you. If there's anything that we did not talk about that you want to talk about, um, Oh yeah, a couple things um, on on the, on the uh, the road just above where we're talking about the electric and magnetic effects on the earthquakes. You'll see a picture of uh, Erdogan and uh, oh, one of his. I think it's the president or something uh, of of uh, Turkey. It's um, uh, a prime minister. That's what it is. He compared Erdogan to Ottoman Sultan that invaded Constantinople. It's an article worth reading because it adds to the fact I was telling you about about how much they are starting to, um, you know, revere um, Erdogan in, in his country. Uh, Coupled with that, and if you go across two pictures on that road, you see a picture of Netanyahu looking out the window there. And he's talking there, Israel's talking about can, uh, can Israel and the Arab states be friends, particularly with Saudi Arabia. And that article goes on to talk about uh, the benefits of that, uh, the problems in the past that have diplomatically separated Saudi Arabia and Israel, which means that the movements now then between the Saudis and Israel to kind of shake hands and be friends may be a ruse to allow the Arab-led consortium to attack Israel. I'm, I'm watching this situation very closely. Um, at the same time, we see Erdogan, Turkey, uh, making overtures to Israel to, you know, get their oil and their gas, to buy it from them, to be friends with them all of a sudden. You know, they've reestablished their, their relations. And Erdogan is no fool, and neither is Netanyahu. But Erdogan, I, I swear, you watch, he's going to be somehow or another organizing the rebuilding of Solomon's Temple 
was young, Ben Solomon, all players in a very complex uh, puzzle that's going to play out here very shortly in the Middle East. Uh, look, things are happening. Uh, the the threat of terror attack in Germany being so great that uh, uh, Merkel says, okay, put away 10 days of food and water in case we have a severe terrorist attack and we can't get to help everybody in the country have your own preparations there. That kind of an attack is big. And to see Abrams tanks, the U.S. Abrams tanks moving on train convoys in Germany up toward the the, the, the border uh, to the neighboring countries, this tells you that it's this terrorist attack may not be purely a terrorist attack. It may be people incited by Russia to move into to Germany or to, into the region. All this is horribly pregnant with war. Um, and at a time where we're having a national election for president here, and gosh, you'd hate to have that happen during the election period because it might, uh, you know, mean that you have to delay the elections or something. You see what I mean? Yeah, something that I think we're being prepped for mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. Oh. Yeah. Well, well Stan, I uh, did it. One of, my, one of my little dog children has just nudged my elbow and said, I need to go outside, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and that, boy, enjoy that, because that's the nice things of life. Stan, you, you brought us to the end of another program. God bless you, my friend. That was uh, very fascinating, a fascinating hour with you. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share with the audience there. Um, and, uh, you know, Lord willing, we'll do this again next week. Sounds great to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. You and Holly have a great weekend, Stan. Have a great week and week, weekend, yes. holiday weekend. Yes, yeah, so a holiday guys. weekend indeed here in the United States. All right. Have a good That'll evening. do it for us tonight, folks. Stan Dale, what a great... StanDale.com. And, folks, Prophetic Perils by Holly Dale. Fantastic. It's it's a fantastic uh, overview of where we're at right now. Uh, we worked hard on that. And, of course, what Stan mentioned earlier about the 10 regions, uh, Cosmic Conspiracy, mm-hmm. in that book as well. Get that while you can. Yeah, before we go... Uh a few headlines we just want to glance about, over because we got time? we got um, We're, oh wait a minute about a minute and a half here uh, okay um and these are Can't important headlines that. you mentioned this a homeland security eyes special declaration to take charge of elections yes now along with that um they are looking at un oversight also of the us elections as the FBI has detected allegedly two breaches against two state voter systems, they're going to find more, I suspect, and and to justify this UN slash DHS takeover fully. Now we're a third world nation. Yep. Also, um, the Thank you. Uh, there there have been thirty deleted Clinton emails uh, related to Benghazi that have been. Uh, found again or put back together 30. the state department attorney said tuesday the agency had discovered 30 benghazi related emails among the records recovered from hillary clinton's private server those of which weren't now, bleached yeah what's interesting is they say that they are gonna before they turn them over to judicial watch they have to go through the classified material and make sure that they redact the Classified material that allegedly well, wait, that wait, Clinton, wait, wait. I didn't think there was Clinton any classified. Said there was no classified yeah. material to redact. 
So why do they need the time to redact the information? I, I love those pa- page denied. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. And uh, also, major bank officials warn, prepare for a economic nuclear winter. What does that mean? We're going to be talking about that and a lot more news and current events tomorrow with an interesting guest who has a very important and interesting perspective. And a great resume. Mm-hmm. Tim Weldon is going to be coming on with us, uh, fluent in Russian, the former weapons inspector. Until tomorrow, God bless. Saddle for battle, folks. Thank <laughs> you.